listening to The Truth Tank. I am your host, The Tank. If this is your first time here, welcome. And if you're a repeat offender, welcome back. If you want to help support The Truth Tank, there's a couple of things you can do. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. All right, tonight's show is going to be part two of the Great Bill Gates Conspiracy. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I suggest you hit the pause button and go ahead and do so. It might make understanding tonight's episode a little easier. On tonight's episode, we're going to be looking at more of the technological side of the Bill Gates conspiracy. Is there any truth to it? Is there some truth to it? Or is it just all bullshit? Is there some type of global microchipping program going on? Or is it just all misinformation and speculation by conspiracy theorists? Later on, we're going to be having a look at quantum dot vaccines and much, much more. As always, strap in, dig deep, and let's go down the rabbit hole. This is episode 18, The Great Bill Gates Conspiracy, part 2. Before we get into the juicy innards of tonight's show, just a bit of background on the Bill Gates conspiracy theories. There are many conspiracy theories that surround Bill Gates. Some are kind of plausible and others are just fucking ridiculous. Some of the theories range from him wanting to microchip the entire world in order to track it. The microchips are then later activated by 5G towers that have been rolled out during the pandemic. There's another theory that connects to that which states the 5G towers are, in fact, the source of the outbreak. Now, there are a few red flags with that being complete bullshit. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to work out that you can't spread a respiratory illness through a cellular tower, through microwave radiation. So this begs the question, where did all these conspiracy theories come from, and how did they start? On the flip side of that, is there any truth to them, or is there some truth to them? Before we go too far, let's have a look at the main Bill Gates conspiracy theories. So Bill Gates has pretty much become the poster boy for many differing but very similar conspiracy theories. And they've all collided with the COVID-19 pandemic. Is this just a coincidence? Or is it just opportunistic timing by people who want to spread misinformation and theories about Bill Gates and COVID-19? He's a pretty easy target after all. Yes, he's a tech billionaire. He's very rich. He's very powerful. And he also has a personal fascination with vaccines and vaccinating the world against viruses and diseases. He's also been telling us for many years that another pandemic was on the way and that the world is dangerously under-equipped and ill-prepared for a global pandemic or some type of outbreak. Firstly, there is him creating the virus, aka COVID-19, And then he goes ahead and creates a vaccine to make more money. He makes his money by patenting the vaccines, which allows him to cash in on the global population wanting to inoculate themselves against deadly disease. Despite the fact that most governments around the world give out vaccinations to deadly diseases and pandemics for free, I'm not sure how much money he would make from a vaccine treatment. Because the biggest threat to a global society and to an economy is people not being able to work and having a hospital and health system that's stretched to breaking point. I'm not sure how much money he would gain by implementing a plan like that. It doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. So the second part to that theory 
is that Gates is secretly planning to microchip people while they're being vaccinated for COVID. So once again, this also goes back to a money issue. Does he spend trillions of dollars coming up with some new technology to embed tracking microchips into a vaccine that are going to be injected into patients? I don't think so. That's kind of James Bond level villain territory there. Bill Gates is rich, but I don't think he's that rich. What does he gain by that? Does he just target advertising to people? The same way a lot of websites sell advertising and they you know direct they they direct products you've been searching for to you so you find them quicker and you hopefully you buy it. Is that the ultimate goal is just to sell more shit? Half the point of him leaving Microsoft was to pursue a more philanthropic line of work. He'd made his money, he'd left his mark on the tech industry, and he kind of wanted to do more with his life. I'm not sure there's much motivation or much reward in trying to microchip people. Then you also have to think of the astronomical cost of coming up with research and development, testing, and that theory also hinges on everyone getting vaccinated, which a lot of people are not going to initially in the first stages, and there's a lot of people that won't be able to afford to or they won't have access to it like in most of the third world countries. So what's the gain by microchipping people? Once again, there's just there's not a lot of evidence to say why or how that would be that would benefit Bill Gates. It's a very stupid theory. There could be a grain of truth to it in there somewhere. You know, some shadowy global elite or some type of organization could in fact be working on some type of tracking microchip technology. They might want to roll it out through prisons or schools or something. Who knows? It just seems like it's probably a few years away and that COVID is a very convenient scapegoat for for that type of theory. To me anyway, this theory gains a lot of traction, mainly due to the Gates Foundation vaccine programs in Africa, the US and around the world. The Gates Foundation has been pretty vocal about the vaccinations of the third world populations and their free vaccine programs. This is an area of interest the Gates Foundation has has done has put a lot of time and money into i mean after all bill gates and melinda gates did start the gates foundation and they do have a lot of vaccination and, and inoculation programs going on what their motivations may be for this is anyone's guess but on the surface of it it does look like they're generally trying to help people on the flip side of that it is very easy for someone who doesn't like bill gates or the gates foundation or conspiracy theorists that can come up with any type of theory to fit any type of argument they're trying to push to make him look like the bad guy. And I'm not saying that all conspiracy theorists are bad. Hey, I myself am a conspiracy theorist. I myself am a conspiracy theorist. I love a good conspiracy. I just like ones with a little, little evidence behind them. I don't believe in every wild conspiracy theory that I hear. I like to see if there is a shred of truth to it. As soon as you find that one thread of truth, you can pull that, which will lead you to another thread, which you can pull on that, which leads you to another thread. You pull that one, and before you know it, a lot of things start to connect. A lot of things start to make sense. So not all conspiracy theories are full of shit. Unfortunately, the media and mainstream society in general likes to label it as such, because they don't. maybe they don't want to believe it, maybe they can't believe it, or maybe it's because they're far better being plugged into the Matrix and believing everything they see on TV. Everything is right with the world as long as I'm in my little bubble. Nothing's really going to affect me. So one of the sub-theories of the 
microchip theory is the religious-based conspiracy theory involving a Microsoft pattern number that ended in 666. If you combine one conspiracy theory with another theory, add a whole religious element into it, and then you get the mark of the beast theory. We'll be looking at that a little later. Then there is the suspicion around event 201 and its various offshoots. The rabbit hole goes on and on, and it's very difficult to kind of work out the truth from the ocean of bullshit. So this episode will focus on the tech side of the conspiracy theories, mainly 5G, ID2020 and microchips, quantum dots, and a lot more. Alright, so let's dive into some of these theories. When you break down the conspiracy theories around Bill Gates, there are two or three main ones, microchips and vaccines, and that he planned the outbreak in order to come up with a good cover story to implement these new tech tracking technologies to take over the world. It's very James Bond level shit. Is there any truth to it? Maybe, but it's probably 85% horseshit. The key factor or the connecting thread in the, in the main Bill Gates conspiracy theories is it leads into so many other related theories, which in turn lead into other sub-theories of similar theories that can be spun any way to fit whatever ever conspiracy theory or agenda someone is trying to promote. The main Bill Gates theories also fit in and are very similar to, and also related to the anti-vaxxer theories, 5G, the pandemic, a whole bunch of QAnon theories, the globalist agenda, New World Order, the sovereign citizen movement, and various religious and end-of-days antichrist theories. Chuck a stone in any direction and you're going to hit a conspiracy theory that the Bill Gates one can come back to. So far, we have seen economic fallout and recessions. We haven't seen people being put into concentration camps, people being microchipped, people being coerced or manipulated into some type of global plot yet. We've seen chaos, disorder, civil unrest, and a global economic fallout that has led to another global recession. So governments all over the world are struggling to cope with the economic losses. If the government is truly behind any of this, why bankrupt the entire planet in trying to do so? Wouldn't it be far easier to keep people fat, happy, keep them inside, keep them getting paid, then silently take over? Rather than having a overt breakdown of society, mass protests around the world, combine that with the various civil rights protests, the upcoming US election, natural disasters, and everything else that's going on in the world, it kind of looks like the government has no fucking clue or any type of idea on how to handle this situation. They're racing to the finish line just like everybody else. If it is a government plan, it's a pretty piss poor one because I don't think they accounted for the fallout that COVID-19 and 2020 brung. And when you really think about it, the government is so inept at doing most things I find it very hard to believe that they could orchestrate a global takeover disguised as a pandemic. Most most governments struggle just trying to organise logistic operations to natural disasters and to general law and order, let alone let alone orchestrate a massive global plot. All this misinformation and bullshit floating around and all these conflicting yet related and intertwined theories makes it really hard to determine any kind of truth or if any of these theories have a grain of truth to them. It really makes you wonder if old Bill is even to blame. 
is he hiding anything at all, or is he just another innocent victim in the clusterfuck that has been 2020? COVID-19 has given all these conspiracy theories a common platform and a common enemy. All theories are separate, and yet they are all connected. People are spending more time at home, who would probably choose to focus their energy into other areas. We're probably very happy with the 9-5 life, as long as they got paid, as long as they had a roof over their heads, they probably didn't complain much. These people are stuck at home, they have more time to think, they have more time to research and to look into things. Threads are being pulled, people, dots are being connected, which makes certain viewpoints easier to see and events and the lockdown easier to explain. There's lots of angry and bored people out there. They want someone to blame for the loss of income, the loss of businesses, livelihoods, and ultimately their jobs. A lot of people are defined by their work. And when their work says, well, you have to work from home or you have to go on involuntary long service or redundancy, that makes a lot of people angry. Governments have been implementing strict lockdowns and quarantines all around the world. You combine that with the with a distrust for governments that was already there in the first place. And that makes what is happening right now so fucking confusing and stupid. To go one step further, you add a bunch of dumb, frightened people into the mix. And you get the pushback and the endless misinformation that is found on social media and in the mainstream news. Everyone's got an opinion and all those dumb fucks we see on TV apparently know more than all the doctors and epidemiologists around the world. So who do you believe and what do you believe? Finding the truth is no easy task anymore. So that's the whole purpose behind doing a series of shows on the Bill Gates conspiracy. There's a lot of intertwined and related theories that have been piled on top of the main Bill Gates theories. A lot of people didn't like Bill Gates a long time before COVID happened, so... Is he just a victim of circumstance? Is he just in the wrong place at the wrong time? So the purpose of me doing these shows is so I can present some facts and some figures and a little bit of speculation on my part. But as always, the rest is up to you. So, where do your thoughts lie on the Bill Gates conspiracy, the COVID-19 theories, and all the interconnected and related conspiracy theories that fall into those two categories? So I found a very aptly named and very interesting article by NPR titled Anatomy of a COVID-19 Conspiracy. There are several key elements or ingredients needed to make a conspiracy theory believable. It's a very interesting look at how a conspiracy theory can take on a life of its own and have a snowball effect that in turn just floods a news landscape with misinformation and confusion. I'm not saying that they're not true. It's just how one theory can bleed into another and that all snowballs and causes more chaos than it was intended to. The article is by Monica Avestiva. It was published on the 10th of July 2020. She is a senior producer and an investigator. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a couple of key points that relate back to what I'm talking about. Conspiracy theories need just the right ingredients to take off within a population, and the COVID-19 pandemic has been a breeding ground for them. A Pew Research Center survey recently asked people if they had heard the theory that COVID-19 outbreak was intentionally planned by people in power. 
71% of US adults said they had, and a third of those respondents and a third of those respondents said it was definitely or probably true. So just in that first statement, you can kind of see how these can gain traction. And like like the end of the article says, definitely or probably true. Yeah, it could actually have been planned. It could have been planned by the government. There's a lot of people who probably disagree with that, but there's a lot of people who wouldn't. Every conspiracy theory has a couple of grains of truth to it, but they also have a lot of bullshit mixed in. Yeah, it is very possible that the government did plan COVID-19. The questions that need to be asked is how did they do it and why did they do it? And if they did do it, is there a very good reason why they implemented a plan like that in the first place? Back to the article. One version of this theory goes something like this. The COVID-19 pandemic is part of a strategy conceived by global elites such as Bill Gates to roll out vaccinations with tracking chips that would later be activated by 5G, the technology used by cellular networks. So, the question no one's really been asking is, is Bill Gates even really a global elite? Does he have a seat at the table with other global elites? Is he even rich enough? Or is he just seem to just do his own thing because you could say that about anyone who's got more money than you any millionaire any billionaire could be apparently a, a global elite you know, after all bill gates has never really shown an interest in politics so that probably gives him some level of trust he seems like he wants to help the less fortunate he's using his money for for good or you know is that all just a cover does he attend a bilderberg meeting does he attend some you know type of James Bond-esque global meeting of supervillains that's held in a volcano every four years. Who knows? I'm using a lot of James Bond references on this this episode. Is his influence globally that important? Because as I outlined on the previous episode, Bill Gates doesn't really seem to get along with anyone. He doesn't seem to work well with others. He is very focused on his vision and making that come true. A lot of guys like Bill Gates are in the same boat. Steve Jobs is the same. Everything is, their entire purpose for being is making their vision come true. They're people that have already gained enough power and wealth through their own inventions and their own businesses. It doesn't make sense to me that they would just play ball with someone else and try to initiate someone else's plan. Like, I mean, you, could, you couldn't even put Steve Jobs and Bill Gates in a room together without one of them trying to rip off the other one and without some conflict happening. Even though Bill Gates and Steve Jobs did collaborate and work together, there was ultimately a huge rivalry and division between those two. It really makes you wonder. Both men were involved with computers and, you know, designing software and hardware for the computer industry. Both were in the industry, but they're on very separate ends of it. One was Microsoft, one was Apple. One was going one direction, one was going the other. One was good at the tech side of it, the other was good at the design and marketing side. So this makes me wonder, if they couldn't collaborate and come together and put aside their differences in an industry they're already involved with, why would they collaborate on someone else's plan if they couldn't even agree on a related industry that they were already involved with. If we use Gates and Jobs as a micro example, I really don't see those two putting aside their differences to follow someone else's idea or to try and bring into fruition someone else's plan. 
these guys' mindsets are very much focused on their own, on making their own ideas come to life. And I think that's probably very true of a lot of these tech billionaires. They all think they're the best thing since sliced bread. They're not going to give up control of their companies or their ideas that easily, especially for someone or some group that just approaches them and says, hey, you should come join us, unless there are, there is some type of leverage over them. So the one fatal flaw with this theory is the 5G. 5G hasn't really kind of taken off yet. It hasn't, the infrastructure is, is being implemented as we speak. I mean, this started a couple of years ago. But who's to say that's going to activate microchips that have been hidden in vaccines? I mean, it's, it's a little far-fetched because not everyone's going to have the vaccine, not everyone's going to have a micro, apparent microchip in them, and not everyone uses 5G. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to. It might be a little ridiculous to assume that the entire planet's all going to get the same vaccination with the hidden microchips in it, and it's all going to be activated. But, but for what? You might be able to track people, but you're not going to be able to really influence their mind through a microchip that's implanted in the arm or hand. The logistics, the research and development costs, and just the amount of money needed to outlay a global 5G tower program, combine that with the combine that with a global microchip program, and combine that with making sure seven billion people all got on the same page. Which, let's face it, has never happened. When there was two billion people on the planet, three billion people on the planet, five billion people on the planet, it's not going to happen with seven billion people on the planet. You can't get a hundred people in a room to agree on anything, let alone fucking seven billion. A little far-fetched. So let's have a closer look at 5G and the problems with the 5G theory. I don't trust it, I don't like it, and I don't want to use it. I don't think the technology has been proven properly. I think there's a lot of health concerns behind it. It's just like every other new form of technology. The people behind it get so caught up with, oh, we can we can do this, we can make things faster, we can make things easier for the consumer. They never really just stop to think if they should do it. They get so caught up with, oh, we've made this breakthrough in you know, technological advancements, whatever, medicine, nuclear science. They never really stop to think if they should do it. And that's also spurred on by the companies and industries behind this, such as you know, telecommunications. They want everyone with a smartphone. They want everyone continuously surfing, upgrading to better and faster phones every couple of years, updating their plans to include more data so they can make more money. These companies all own a stake in 5G and they're all pushing the same agenda. More 5G, more 5G-enabled phones, more customers needing more data to support to support the higher data and internet speeds so they can stream YouTube videos, play games and do a whole bunch of other pointless shit on their phones a little faster and a little more efficiently than they could without 5G. So there's always these varying factors with any of these theories or new technology, whatever it is. There's always multiple facets and multiple moving parts to any type of New theory, new idea, new business, new whatever. So remember uh, back a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years ago now, remember the concerns with the first cell and mobile phone towers? Remember when they wanted to put towers up everywhere? People were concerned, and rightfully so. They thought that you know the birds were going to fall out of the sky, that everyone was going to get cancer, there was going to be a lot of health problems. And a lot of that actually did come true. A lot of them 
there was a lot of health concerns and problems with those towers going up. Um, people complaining of headaches, nausea. Once again, it's a multifaceted thing. Were these people just genetically susceptible to that? Do they have underlying conditions? Who knows? There's a lot of... If you remember back to when the wind towers went up in paddocks, farmers were complaining that sheep were getting headaches. Even though there's a lot of scientific data behind that stating that, no, that's not entirely true, that's complete horseshit. What most likely happened is that the farmers were probably paid by a fossil fuel company to say that the clean green energy was causing health problems let's not bother investing or you know maybe refining those industries if it were true which it wasn't and let's just go back to the way we've always done things which is burn coal use nuclear power what have you when the first mobile towers went up there's a lot of concern when 4g was implemented there was also a lot more concerns I do believe there's a lot of health problems with the mobile phone towers. At the same time, you don't really hear a lot of it. Well, then again, I should say, not a lot of it's been reported on in mainstream news. And why would it? Because what do you see being advertised during the news and during sports? You see telecommunications companies. One arm's connected to another, another arm's connected to another, and they all, they're all scratching the same industries back. The biggest issue and the biggest bullshit factor for me with the 5G theory is simply the towers can't be used as weapons, mainly because they can't produce enough energy needed to be a weapon in the first place. I think most people listening to this would probably know that the military do use microwave ADS weapons. The only difference with the military microwave weapons is they use large amounts of energy uh, and they use a far stronger transmitting towers to do so. The 5G towers aren't that strong, and they're not strong enough to act as a weapon, as a lot of people fear that they will be. As I, as I said before, I don't trust 5G, and I never will. There is probably going to be a hell of a lot of health concerns and problems in later years. You know, Cancers in children will probably, go, will probably skyrocket due to an undeveloped body using a device that can transmit larger amounts of microwave radiation than your previous mobile phones. There will probably be birth problems or birth defects because of it. But there's a lot of variables with that. It will depend on how much you use 5G, how close you are to a tower, how how much of your phone is taking the 5G, and do you put it in your pocket next to your nuts, or do you have it in your back pocket, do you have it in a, in a, a bag, what have you. Do you sleep with it under your pillow like a lot of dumb teenage girls do? So... EMF waves are a genuine concern, and there is a level of control that these EMF waves do have on devices, in particular the unused millimeter wave bands, which is the same system that is in use in the Pentagon's crowd control system. So apparently the Pentagon has a pretty sophisticated crowd control defense system that uses these millimeter wave bands which are unused radio wave in most devices but they figured out how to turn it into a weapon i think it pretty i think it incapacitates a crowd through noise or headaches or something like that i didn't do a hell of a lot of research on it because this show was long enough it isn't impossible for it to be turned into a weapon it's just 
the Pentagon is probably using the Pentagon is using a stronger transmitter to do so, and they're also using a different millimeter wave band than what the standard 5G G is. It's related, but it's not tailored to to deliver a weapon system. So like I said, there are many issues around 5G and its effects on the human body and its long-term health concerns for individuals and communities. However, activating microchips is a completely different story, and it's one that I think is pretty bullshit. As far as I can tell, the 5G microchip theory originated on Facebook, which, as we all know, is the best source of reaction-driven bullshit news and stories that dumb fucks all around the world believe. So I did my research on this, and according to Reuters fact check, it all started with a post that had an unverified and unfact-checked message claiming that the COVID-19 pandemic was fake and part of a larger conspiracy involving the development of 5G towers. So this makes you ask the question, is who's behind this post? What was their agenda? Did they not like 5G? Were they anti-tech activists or someone who just doesn't like the progression of technology. I know I'm very skeptical of new technology, which I think is a very healthy thing. You should be skeptical of everything and until it has been proven that is 100% safe and benefits the human race for the positive. Who's behind the post? What is the agenda they're trying to push? What is the angle they're looking at? Is it true? In my opinion, no. I think it's fucking ridiculous. Largely due to the fact that microwave radiation can't transmit viruses. And in particular, COVID-19 is a severe respiratory disease. If 5G was behind the COVID-19 outbreak, I think everybody would probably have cancer or some type of illness that's based on radiation, not a airborne pathogen. So, the message in question on Facebook, the post pretty much showed an image of a printed message on a poster, and it read in quotes, and I'm quoting here, there was never a COVID-19. Read this. Coronavirus is fake. It was a huge cover-up to allow deployment of 5G network towers, which are the real cause of the virus deaths. They are releasing extreme amounts of radiation to your body through your phone signal. The 5G will also give the government access to your information and location through an RFID chip in the vaccine said to immunize you. You will lose all rights to privacy, bank and personal info, don't take the vaccine. Our governments are lying to us. Please be aware. Pass the message. Research. We need to stop this. Unfortunately, the author didn't research this themselves. All right, so biggest problems there. It makes mentions of 5G will give the government access to your information and location. I hate to say that the government already has access to your information. If you are born in a first world or a progressive society, the government has your information. They had it since the day you were born. That's why you have a birth certificate, a death certificate. That's why you have a tax file number, a bank account, employment number, social security number, credit card, online banking, online pay slips. The government has access to it all. So let's not kid ourselves and pretend that the government doesn't already know your details. Is this just a filing system for its citizens? On one hand, that makes sense. Are they going to do anything nefarious with this information? Maybe, maybe not. Let's not pretend that the government doesn't know what its citizens are up to and where they, where they live, where they work, and how they get paid. So that's a very misinforming and very bullshit statement to make. 
An example of this would be the post office. The post office is a government-owned organization that has access to your information. If it didn't, you'd never get letters, you wouldn't get your bank statements, you wouldn't get packages, you wouldn't get important documents or anything of that nature. So within a couple of seconds, I've already determined that that post is completely bullshit. But there's a lot of people out there that uh, that believe it on face value. Maybe they didn't look, read it hard enough. Maybe they don't want to look hard enough. Maybe they just want to believe something like this. Other problem, they're releasing extreme amounts of radiation. Yeah, 5G is releasing radiation, but it's not extreme amounts. If it was extreme amounts, everyone who come in contact with it would probably be dead of radiation poisoning or, or have some type of accelerated cancer growth and the data isn't telling us that. The other thing that needs to be fact-checked, they're releasing extreme amounts of radiation to your body through your phone signal. The 5G will also give the government access to your information and location through RFID. Mobile phones already give away your location if you have the location services on. Not all phones are equipped to receive the 5G transmission. I use an old iPhone. Uh, I I can't get 5G, and I don't want it to, hence why I don't want to replace it. If you have a modern phone made in the last couple of years, it's been set up to receive the 5G signal and work better with the 5G system. So it depends on what phone. If you're still carrying around and not one of those Nokia brick phones, you're probably safe. The other problem, the 5G will also give the government access to your location through an RFID chip in the vaccines. I don't think you can put an RFID chip into a vaccine. That's a fucking massive vaccine, and you're going to know that something's been put into your body. When you have a you know a couple of mil scar on your hand, you think, hmm, that's not, that's not the pinprick that a vaccine usually comes in. That's a giant fucking hole from a giant fucking needle. They're also talking about the vaccine, and to date, no one has come up with a vaccine. If this plan was to be initiated, the vaccine would have come out a couple of weeks or a month, maybe a couple of months after the outbreak. We're now into like the sixth, seventh month of the lockdown and the virus completely devastating pretty much every country on the world. We're what, what are we like seven months into the, into the outbreak and into the, into the lockdown? And we haven't seen a cure yet. We haven't seen chips activated. We haven't seen five more 5G towers being installed all we've seen so far is the world governments and the medical industry struggling to come up with a virus. In most countries, the in most countries the vaccine is still in a in the trial phase. Uh, there's been a lot of breakthroughs, but there's been some setbacks. They're in the first stage of testing a COVID-19 vaccine, which has had a couple of unforeseen side effects. So to say that oh they're going to immunize you and put a put a chip in you. That's complete bullshit. It would have happened already. That would have happened a month after the outbreak. Why would governments around the world allow a global recession to happen before they roll out a vaccine with a tracking chip in it? Makes no fucking sense. Why would you financially cripple the world in order to track people? They would have let it go for a month and they would have said, oh, we have this miracle cure. We have a new vaccine. Everyone should get vaccinated. It's all for free. Just go to your clinic, go to your local schools or community halls get vaccinated now stop the spread get back to work i guarantee you fucking 89 percent of the fucking planet earth would get that vaccine if it meant getting back to work and getting paid so they didn't lose money they didn't have to go on job keeper job seeker any of the other 
job security programs that weren't around the world that were initiated to keep people in work and to give them a minimum amount of money so that they can live. And in most cases, that was flawed because a lot of people are staying on JobKeeper and JobSeeker because they're getting more money through that system than they were actually working. So there's a huge fucking red flag with this theory. It doesn't make any sense. The vaccine would be out. People would be back to work. Like trained little zombies, they would have the tracking chips in them. They'd be doing their job, not realizing whoever was behind this was taking their information. They would be like zombie drones at work, doing what they always do, getting paid, going home, having a roof over their head, having a meal on the table. They're happy. They're safe in their little bubble. All is right with the world. And there's no such thing as a global conspiracy. So I call bullshit on that one. So RFID chips. Yeah, RFID chips. Yeah, this this is a it is a possibility, but I was always under the impression that an RFID chip uh, had a certain range to it. You had to be pretty close to a scanner for any information to be read off of it. To my knowledge, the RFID scanners don't use microwave radiation. So to say that a 5G tower would be would act as some giant scanner would by pumping us full of radiation in order to read an RFID chip is probably a little far-fetched. That conspiracy theory would have been a hell of a lot more effective if a little bit of research had gone into it. So within a couple of minutes, I've already already analyzed that, that post and come up with a whole bunch of reasons why it is bullshit. I don't have a degree in nuclear physics or you know, radiation. I don't work for a telecommunications company. I don't work for the government and... And I know that statement is a 100% bullshit. Just based on the everyday facts and my own knowledge base of how some of these things work. Yeah, I might not be 100% accurate, but I still I can still determine that that is a completely false statement. And anyone should be able to work that out if they spend a couple of minutes just reading it. For this to be even remotely true, you would have to ignore all the, all the evidence of the virus's origins. So this is the one thing that has been well and truly forgotten. Everyone is so willing to, to believe these conspiracy theories for the virus's origins but not a lot of people are willing to accept the fact they've either forgot it or they've become so angry that they've been locked up for so long and that their lives revolve around their job and their titles that they've really forgotten that a couple of months ago all fingers were pointing back to the outbreak coming from China this is also spurred on by mainstream news because all they do every night is just play protests and riots and anti-lockdown protests going on, anti-vaxxer protests is going on, anti-5G tower protests is happening this weekend. You name it, any day of the week there's a new protest against something. Yeah, some of them are warranted, warranted, some of them are not. That's a completely different story, which I'm not going to get into. Now, let's, let's rewind to six months ago, and all we heard on the news was outbreak came from Wuhan. Outbreak originated in China. Outbreak originated in the wet markets of Wuhan. The World Health Organization was looking into it. It might have been a bioweapon because there was a viral lab located in Wuhan. If any conspiracy theory is to be believed, it's the bioweapon theory. That makes far more sense than 5G towers and Bill Gates. But yet everyone has seemed to have forgotten that because, because they've let Facebook's public opinion dictate how they think and feel and then people still don't believe that mind control is happening or I can never have my thought process manipulated by a artificial intelligence algorithm well Facebook Instagram Twitter they've already done it to you that's the sad thing is that it's so sneaky and so genius the way it's been done 
Most people don't know what's already happened. Question everything, people. Even me. So, a couple of months ago, everyone accepted the outbreak started in China with ammonia-like symptoms. It started off with small outbreaks in Wuhan, rapidly growing until it gets out of hand around the same time as the Chinese New Year, which is also the biggest human migration on planet Earth, which in turn inevitably spreads this around the world rapidly. So many hundred million people return to China for Chinese New Year's from all around the planet the same time as a global pandemic happens. Is this by design or is this just how viruses work? Because history tells us that outbreaks like this can either be brought or spread by travelers. They happen in one place, someone goes there, doesn't realize they have it, they take it to somewhere else. It spreads, it grows, it mutates, it kills a whole bunch of people, then it moves on. Spanish flu is the same. The theory goes that it was brought back by soldiers returning from World War One. Their immune systems were compromised by living out in horrendous conditions for so long. They brought it back and spread it throughout the communities. The first, the first reported cases of that were in the Boston Harbor. I think they were in a, in the, I think they were in a Navy hospital in Boston somewhere. A couple of soldiers had it. They passed it to a few more people who passed it to a few more than. The rest is history. The outbreak grows, and that was from returning servicemen. Is this just the same case? Is this just history repeating itself? Travelers go to the epicenter of a new outbreak of a new virus. They return back to China for for New Year's. They come in contact with someone who's come in contact with someone who's had the virus. They get it. They spread it back. Some people have effects after a couple of days. Other people don't have many many symptoms at all. Which is the one thing that makes this virus so fucking dangerous, is that some people have symptoms instantly, some people don't, some people are sick for a day, other people are sick for a couple of weeks, some people are sick for months, some people are still having effects from it. As of yet, we don't know why, it just seems to happen like that. So these people go back to China, they get the virus, they get back on the planes, they go back to the countries they live in and spread the virus globally. Hospitals and the medical systems are designed to cope with pandemics and, as I always like to say, the rest is history. In my opinion, this has absolutely nothing to do with 5G towers or Bill Gates. Yes, Bill Gates is into viruses and vaccines. That, that, that is true. That's well documented. Just because someone is interested in something doesn't mean they're responsible for it. Bill Gates is just a very convenient scapegoat. He seems to be a victim of right place, right time. Or in his case, wrong place, wrong time. Bill's into viruses. He's also the CEO of the largest charitable organization in the world that has a lot to do with vaccines and vaccination programs right around the world. Are the theories around Bill Gates so prevalent just because he is the obvious choice? As I said, just because someone is interested in something doesn't mean they're responsible for it. Now this can be true for, for anyone. Just because you're interested in true crime doesn't mean you're a serial killer. Just because you like to get your weekly crime fix by listening to various podcasts or reading reading Wikipedia articles about serial killers or mass murderers doesn't mean that you're going to go out on the weekend and start killing people. Simply means you have an interest in a subject. Same way Bill Gates has an interest in vaccines and viruses. Does that mean that he's out there on the weekends trying to spread as many new viruses as possible? Is he trying to roll out some type of secret vaccination program that, suit, that microchips people? No, might just mean he's just interested in a subject. I think it's probably more believable in his case because of the wealth and his global status. He's a very powerful man. He has a lot of money. So a lot of people see that as he has to be up to no good. He can't be doing something for the benefit of 
humankind. So, what is the evidence for the Wuhan origins, you may ask? Chinese health officials report the outbreak to the World Health Organization on the 31st of December 2019. Believe what you like, but the report does give this some credibility. Something happened that was significant enough to make a very controlled communist country like China make an official report to the World Health Organization. They wouldn't have done that if they thought they could handle the outbreak themselves. They're a very secretive country. They don't let a lot of information out willingly. They wouldn't have made a report if the situation wasn't dire. We'll probably never know what happens because these countries like this don't like the truth getting out. So remember when it all started, all fingers were pointed at a zoonotic origin, e.g. bats and pangolins. The wet markets of Wuhan's were, were the prime suspect. They were public enemy number one, and everyone wanted to close down the wet markets, and everyone blamed them for the outbreak. It's not a new thing. A lot of a lot of viral outbreaks do happen in these sort of uncontrolled, unsanitized conditions. They're pretty filthy conditions, so it's not a surprise that a virus like this can originate in a population center like that. And as I mentioned on a previous show I did about coronavirus, Dr. Michael Olsterholm thinks that this is 100% with 100% certainty that this is where the outbreak originated from. It's not the first time. Swine flu had a pretty similar outbreak as did MERS. Two unrelated but very similar coronavirus outbreaks happened in an eerily similar fashion as the current coronavirus. That's the third time this has happened in 20 years. Stands to reason there's probably going to be more outbreaks in the future. They could be less severe or they could be worse. Unless humans start to get smart and changing certain practices, it's probably always destined to happen. The CDC states on its website that many of its patients had links to seafood and live animal markets where a human might have contacted the virus, might have contracted the virus from an animal. The virus spreads person to person. The symptoms of COVID-19 include fever, tiredness, cough, and shortness of breath that can appear 2 to 14 days after being exposed to the virus. The coronavirus is spread person to person through respiratory droplets, for example, in coughs and sneezes. So, can 5G cause illness or make you sick? Probably, but not in the ways corona can. The 5G theory can be ruled out as bullshit, largely due to how the technology works. It simply can't spread an airborne pathogen. 5G uses radio waves, a low form of electromagnetic radiation. If anything, it would probably kill COVID-19 rather than cause it. One thing I've got to mention about 5G is a lot of countries around the world, especially the third world countries and second world countries, simply don't have the infrastructure to support a 5G network. Even in first world countries, 5G isn't prevalent enough to be the dominant form of telecommunications technology. And making a further connection to the Gates Foundation, the Gates Foundation largely works in third world countries, developing nations, and and impoverished communities. Now, what's the one thing third world countries don't have? That's a lot of cellular towers. They certainly don't have a, a lot of 5G towers, if any. They just simply just don't have the infrastructure or the money for it. Another nail in the coffin for the 5G theory, if you still don't believe it, so all this money and all these resources is being pulled into areas around the world that don't have the fucking infrastructure to handle 5G in the first place. And if you still believe that, then I really think that you're a fucking idiot. I mean, everyone has is entitled to their opinion, but 
how many more red flags and facts and fact checks do you need in order to 100% say that a theory is completely bullshit? So all that time, effort, money and resources is going into vaccinating a population that doesn't have the resources for the 5G towers to activate the tracking chips they've had implanted in them. Complete bullshit. So the other biggest flaw in the theory is the RFID chips or the, or the microchipping. From a logistical point, this is an absolute nightmare. You've got to make 7 billion microchips or you know 5 billion, however many these global elites are planning to use. You've got to manufacture these RFID microchips, hide them in syringes or vaccination bottles and hope that the people who are being injected don't notice something. I think that might leave a mark or you might have a bit of a bump there saying, no, that doesn't feel like a standard vaccination. Think of the syringe size, the bottle size. How are you supposed to get it? If, if it is some type of nanotechnology, I think we're still, I think we're many years away from that happening. Pretty much every vaccination I've ever got, I've seen the nurse administering the vaccination. I see her opening the syringe. I see her breaking the sealed vaccine, putting the needle in, extracting the vaccine, all in front of my eyes. If, if they were to do that and go over there while I get the vaccine with a hidden microchip in it, I'm pretty sure I'm going to notice. Plow on ahead. The vaccine is activated by 5G through chips, but the real cure is still years away, and that is with some of the smartest people in the world looking into it. So the claims made that the chip will, quote, immunize people is complete bullshit. And all this is meant to be going on while the whole world is going into a recession. I mean, even the billionaires of the world are watching their wallets at the moment. New technology is not cheap. You know, the cost of new inventions in, in tech, research and development, testing, government approvals, government patents, etc. That's a lot of money for not a lot of game. If all these people care about is money, they're going to lose a lot of it just trying to implement this quote-unquote plan. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the New World Order or some group like that could pull it off. Maybe they have the resources to do it. Maybe they've been hoarding money, tech, and resources for the last 50 years, the last 30 years. Maybe this is part of a bigger plan that's been in play for the last 100 years. Who knows? So governments can't organize disaster relief quick enough, let alone a, let alone be complicit in a massive global conspiracy. However, billionaires and world elites could be. So vaccines are still a way off. Uh, a few are in the testing phase. No vaccines have RFID chips as I've explained, nanotech is still a f still a little way off, and where we are with medical tech at the moment, we already have an underfunded and underprepared medical industry right around the world. So you really have to ask yourself, why would a microchip work in the first place? And the bigger question is, why no one bothers to look into conspiracy theories that make no sense to begin with? Don't take things on face value, people. However, there are people who do get RFID plants in their hands and in their body. They make their life a lot easier. Um, there's an episode of Ancient Aliens where a tattooist in Canada, he has RFID chips in his, implanted in his hands. He also does the, implement, the implanting of RFID chips uh, for customers. He's also got several smart tattoos. He turns his motorbike on by swiping his hand over the ignition. It activates a chip, 
sends a code from his hand to the bike saying that you know, this guy's the owner, turns it on, he opens his doors at home with the same chip. It also acts as a digital business card. He can swipe his information onto his phone or someone else's phone and it brings up this guy's information. So maybe after all I just said, maybe there is a couple of sh- uh, grains of truth to the microchipping theory. However, in the episode, he does inject someone with an RFID chip and the syringe is like a fucking drill bit. It's huge and you physically see the actual implant going into the needle to be injected. It's not the standard vaccination process that a lot of people are familiar with. So if this was to be used for evil, it would be an effective thing. After all, this guy's details are in the RFID chips. He controls his home and his business by them. So who knows? Maybe there is a little truth to that after all. So what's the issue with vaccines? Why don't people trust them? Why is everyone very skeptical of being injected with something? Yeah, rightfully so. I'd want to know what was in a vaccine before I got vaccinated. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm not 100% for vaccines. I think there's been a lot of manipulated health concerns, especially with children in certain generations, such as peanut allergies, shellfish allergies. I know a lot of those vaccines mix in proteins from certain from certain sources such as you know shellfish or peanuts whatever it happens to be that seems to also be why you have a um a large proponent of that generation that is allergic to peanuts or shellfish maybe this is this is just how vaccines work i, I don't know so i'm not going to make any claims that i do maybe that's just how these vaccines are made or maybe it's by design maybe they are trying to make make a dependent customer base from a business standpoint this does make sense you're trying to have a dependent generation that will that has no choice but to buy your products in order to save their life who in their right mind is not going to pay money to keep themselves alive on the other side of that there are a lot of dumb fucking people out there there's a lot of idiots that will believe anything you tell them vaccines have eradicated a lot of horrible diseases in the past such as you know polio smallpox These diseases have pretty much been eradicated, if not completely extinct altogether. Just recently, polio has been completely eradicated in parts of Africa. However, it's taken a long time to do that, and I think there is a new form of polio, some type of mutation. Vaccines are also a good thing. If we didn't have vaccines in medicine, the world would be a far unhealthier place. Polio, tetanus, smallpox... You name it, uh, these, some of these diseases have been eradicated because of vaccines. I'm going to go back to the PNR article for a moment. This explains, um, this explains some of the feelings towards 5G, and it kind of illustrates my point a bit. Residents of Palm Beach County, Florida, cited, cited it in a county commissioner's hearing in late June when voicing their opposition to mandatory mask enforcement. Six feet is military protocol. You're trying to get people to train them. So when the cameras, the 5G comes out, what? They are going to scan everybody. We've got to get scanned. We've got to get temperaturated. That's not me misspelling something. That's just how how it's written. Are you insane? Asked Christina Gomez, one of the residents who attended the hearing. She even mentioned Gates by name, asking the commissioners why he's not in jail. Yeah, uh, innocent until proven guilty. Um, You can't just ask why someone's in jail with no proof 
that article perfectly illustrates just how fucking stupid some people can be. They take this shit on face value. Just read some shit you've seen on Facebook. Add your own two cents to it. Or oh, we're getting scanned. There's going to be cameras everywhere. I hate to break it to you, but there already are cameras everywhere. Security cameras have been every have been in place for a long time. Look at London. It's got it's the most watched city in the world. It's got cameras everywhere watching everything. So this is nothing new. So if you're concerned about being watched by cameras everywhere, it's probably too late. You have been for for many years and nothing seems to have happened. So the 5G comes out. Well, 5G already is out in some places. It has been for a while. Um, and no one's spontaneously combusted walking down the street yet. They're going to scan everybody. Yeah, they might be scanning people for temperature. Like she says, getting temperature rated. That's a part of coronavirus is the fever elevates body temperature. They're going to get scanned. Um, okay. For what? Think of that logistically. You think of the servers and the hard drive space you would need to scan everybody on the fucking planet. Everyone walking around getting scanned 24-7. And then she also seems to blame Bill Gates, which, yeah, you've got to have some proof before you can just go blaming people. The article continues. Molly, 24, who lives in Kentucky and asked that her last name not be used, said earlier this spring her sister told her she did not intend to get the COVID-19 vaccine because she believed it contained microchips. Molly said she was shocked. I was like, uh, what are you talking about? That's not true. And she's like, oh, well, um, you know so much about science. I'm like, I know that there's no microchips in vaccines. She said the conversation spiraled into a fight. Then I just went upstairs and cried because we were best friends. And now, since this, we basically haven't talked about COVID or what's going on at all. People's opinions cause fights, which therefore limits both parties' access to the truth and coming up with a logical solution to any given situation. That's my two cents. Odris Hart, 42, in New York City, sought the help of a tinnitus therapist in May following an ear injury. At the end of his session, Hart shared that he was looking into getting a better internet connection. My therapist said that things like 5G are responsible for some of the terrible things going on, Hart said. And he, connect, he connected 5G with the coronavirus pandemic. Hart said he stopped seeing him after this appointment. I would too. Um, it's a bit concerning when someone who has gone to all the effort and who's obviously smart enough to get a degree in therapy... I mean, stands to the reason this guy's probably gone to medical school or had some type of medical training. He should have been able to know, differentiate the radiation from a 5G tower and a respiratory illness. I mean, like I mentioned, I don't have a doctorate in medicine and I can work that out. So if anyone is responsible for the misinformation and the spread of complete bullshit, it is none other than social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those other fucking... TikTok, any other one of those other social platforms, they're the real villains here. They're the ones that spread misinformation. They're the ones that manipulate their algorithms to not show not show you the facts or positive news stories. They they manipulate the flow of information so you only see certain stories or certain articles about a subject. Everyone should probably know how the algorithms on these sites work. So it should be no no surprise that they're, they're tailoring their your social experience based on what you've previously searched for. So that especially Facebook, they've made an art form out of selling people negativity and 
any type of story that will generate a reaction, generate a negative comment, a share, a post. That's how they work. That's how they make their money. That's how the whole site's engineered. And this is the same. These are the same people who take this information on face value. So the article continues. NPR talked to more than a dozen people who said they had similar experiences. So how did this particular theory come to be? The first ingredient of a good conspiracy is a plausible element. Not one that's necessarily true, just plausible. In this case, the tracking chips. In December, a team of Massachusetts Institute of Technology researchers published a paper in the Medical Journal of Science, Transitional Medicine, detailing how something called quantum dots could be delivered to the skin to record vaccinations. Kevin McHugh, now an assistant professor of bioengineering at Rice University, and the lead researcher on the project said he's baffled by the idea that his project involves tracking chips. There's no microchips at all, he said. I don't even know where that comes from. All the quantum dots do is produce light. The technology tested on rats has not yet been tested on humans, McHugh said. The dot signals a patient has received a vaccine in any effort to keep an accurate record. It is really difficult to determine who has received what vaccines in the developing world because there is not good record keeping, McHugh said. So the idea is, can we actually have something that could inform a healthcare worker that vaccines have been administered and therefore which ones are still needed? Funding for the project was provided by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which brings us to the second ingredient of a good conspiracy theory, a real person, someone powerful and rich. Kate Starbird, an associate professor at the University of Washington who has studied misinformation during crisis events, said conspiracy theories use the same elements and plug in different actors. This is a quote from her. A rich person controls the world and they want to do bad things, so they can continue controlling the world, she said. Sometimes it's George Soros, now it's Bill Gates, so they just move that person over. But why Bill Gates this time? Stephen Brill is the founder of NewsGuard, a company that tracks false information. He said there are two reasons. The Gates Foundation funds global vaccine research and drives, and Gates is the co-founder of Microsoft Corp. So you have the anti-vaxxer movement targeting Bill Gates as well as the anti-tech movement, Brill said. The anti-tech movement brings us to the final ingredient of a good conspiracy theory, an element that makes it go viral. In this case, the fear of 5G and the power of social media. Joseph Downing, a fellow at the London School of Economics, studied the origins of the 5G conspiracy theory on social media and said he and his colleagues were able to track down the exact account that turned this conspiracy theory into a trending topic on Twitter. The account was at 5G Coronavirus 19, which sent out 303 tweets in seven days. So you've got somebody here who understands a way of in effect, kind of manipulating the social media landscape, Scape Downing said. It's unclear who operated the at 5G coronavirus 19 account, which has since been taken down, but it managed to create such a momentum that other platforms picked it up from there. Downing said someone doesn't need to have a huge following to do that. They just need to know how the algorithm works. That's a key point there. I mean, this is how Facebook works. It bases its entire experience off of the algorithm. It will cater certain things for certain users based on what they look for. The same way online shopping sites will target advertisements to certain customers. If, you, if you've if you spent an hour searching for a pair of Nikes, chances are you're going to get targeted ads that are showing you 
hey, look, sale on sneakers, the sale on Nikes, because it knows you're looking at it. It's trying to tailor the experience to you. One thing that we found was really important was that people were tagging President Trump in their tweets, and that was enough to gain traction, he said. Enough traction that more than 70 cell phone towers were set on fire in the United Kingdom in April and May because of their alleged link to the spread of virus, Mobile UK, which represents Britain's four mobile operators told Business Insider in May. <laughs> yes, um, it's, it's pretty funny, but it's also concerning. So that's an article from NPR. It's a little concerning that someone would go to the effort to set not setting something on fire. Um, yeah, but, you know, there may be some truth to it for 4G, 5G might, you know, just be the next big health epidemic. Who knows? It's still too early to say. Okay, so there's an, there's an article on BBC um, Reality Check. Coronavirus, Bill Gates, microchip conspiracy theory and other vaccine claims fact-checked by Jack Goodman and Flora Carmichael, published 30th of May 2020. Why microchip rumors don't stack up. First up, conspiracy theories about vaccines that have spanned the globe. It claims that the coronavirus pandemic is a cover for a plan to implement trackable microchips and that the Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates is behind it. We found no evidence to support these claims. Very similar to my conclusions too. I can't find much behind it. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation told BBC the claim was fake, was false. The head of the Russian Communist Party this week said that the so-called globalists supported a cover a covert mass chip implementation which they may in time resort to under the pretext of mandatory vaccination against coronavirus. He didn't mention Mr. Gates by name, but in the US, Roger Stone, a former advisor to Donald Trump, said Bill Gates and others were using the virus for microchipping people so we can tell whether you've been tested. That kind of goes back to what the, the guy in the previous article was saying. The quantum dots are designed to tell whether someone has a vaccination, mainly people in the third world where the, where record keeping isn't that great like you said they don't con- contain microchips i mean obviously it's probably too expensive it's just designed to tell if someone has had a vaccine so they don't are not given a dose that might kill them or make them overdose on it so a new yougov poll of 1640 people suggests that 28 percent of americans believe that bill gates wants to use vaccinations to implement microchips in people with the figure rising to 44 among Republicans. Okay. Rumors took hold in March when Gates said in an interview that eventually he will have some digital certificates, which will be used to show who recovered, been tested, and ultimately who receives who received a vaccine. He made no mention of microchips. So, you know, once again, this is just someone adding their two cents on top of a theory that has already had a few cents added to it. The response led to one widely shared article under the headline, Bill Gates will use microchip implants to fight coronavirus. Once again, maybe a grain of truth in that. This is kind of referring to the quantum dot. Then someone's added another theory on top of another theory, and it's just made this into a complete ball of shit. The article makes reference to a study funded by the Gates Foundation into a technology that could store someone's vaccine records in a special ink administered at the same time as the injection. However, the technology is not a microchip and is more like an invisible tattoo. It has not been rolled out yet, 
would not allow people to be tracked and personal information would not be entered into a database, says Anna Jelenic, a scientist involved in the study. The Gates Foundation says the reference to digital certificates relates to efforts to create an open source digital platform with the goal of expanding access to safe home-based testing. Bill Gates did not say this about the vaccine. A recent post on the UK-based Twitter account said Bill Gates admits the vaccine will no doubt kill 700,000 people, and links to a video featuring right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. The claim in the tweet, which has had more than 45,000 retweets and likes, is false and misrepresents Gates' words. This is a prime example of something that has been taken out of context. He you know, may have mentioned something, and look... With all the research I've done, there is one thing that Bill Gates is not very good at, and that is giving interviews. He uses a lot of ums and ahs when answering questions, which to some people might make him dishonest. In my opinion, I just don't think he's that good at public speaking. Steve Jobs was far better. Not like that has anything to do with it, but it's just a comparison. And it would be very easy to take something he says out of context, because he would say something about, you know, quantum dot, micro needles and go um uh kind of like he's making it up or he's he doesn't quite know or he he's not that familiar with the information or you know whatever he's stumbling over his words which might sow the seeds of dishonesty before he's actually said something then someone's picked it up said oh he's mentioned this someone's taken it out of context added something to it and it has that snowball effect in the video mr gates is talking about the efficiency of vaccines in older people and cautions about the risk of side effects. He set out a hypothetical situation about the potential harm of side effects, saying, if we have one in 10,000 side effects, that's way more. 700,000 people who will suffer from that. Yeah, so there's the quote. He wasn't talking about death. He was saying about 700,000 people could have side effects from the vaccines, which is what we're starting to see now in the first phase of testing. So he does not admit 700,000 will die. The article goes on to outline a whole bunch of other theories based on things that Gates has either said or information that's been taken out of context. There's one that goes on about the anti-vaccination movement in Italy. There's a pretty widely shared and watched video on Facebook that was being viewed over 700,000 times. Um, the video claimed the pandemic had been invented. The clip was narrated by a Stefano Monetano. He's an Italian researcher with a degree in pharmacology. He claims that the end goal was to get everyone vaccinated. He also claims that the epidemic is made up and there already is a vaccine that will, in quotes, will bring money and corruption into the already full pockets of some. Like I previously mentioned, I'm not sure how much money you're going to make through vaccines that the government mostly pays for and which are probably going to be reproduced by other pharmaceutical companies that have nothing to do with Bill Gates and Microsoft. So he also claims that it is a sensational hoax, but a very successful one. And herein lies the problem. You have someone with a background in medicine who's making these outrageous claims that the pandemic is all a hoax. It's all Bill Gates' fault. It's all designed for, for profit. It adds fuel to an already out-of-control fire. So the article concludes that there is basically no evidence to support it. Stefano's claims are very far-fetched. There's also a pretty funny one that claims that cow shit is a cure for coronavirus. This comes from 
Also from Facebook, it was another widely circulated video uh, in India. Wonder drug to battle corona and cow dung vaccine. So basically said a clinical trial um, by some name I can't pronounce. Medicine is derived from something it is derived from cow's milk, butter, ghee, dung, and urine. Okay. So mix up a cow shit cocktail and um, yeah, hopefully it cures coronavirus. If you remotely believe that cow shit could cure coronavirus, I think you are a fucking idiot that needs to be taken out of the gene pool. You are an absolute fucking moron. I mean, who in their right mind is going to think that eating or inhaling cow shit is going to be good for your health? But according to this article, um, the cow is considered sacred in Hinduism, and some Hindu groups have claimed that drinking cow urine could, in bo- could boost immunity against the virus, a claim we've looked at before. Yeah, that's kind of concerning, and this is not the first time this has been brought up. So apparently a doctor is quoted saying that cow urine is is known to have medical components that can cure COVID-19. But then again, how, how do you know that? How does anyone know that? Has it been tested? This is from months ago when the outbreak was still pretty new. No one would have had time to done a clinical trial on that. So once again, complete bullshit. And I think it's time to move along. Let's have a better look at ID2020. You may or may not have heard of, heard of this. This also connects into the overarching conspiracy theories around Bill Gates. It connects to the microchip theory and it also can connect to the Mark of the Beast theory. It can also be a sub-theory of the quantum dot spy software theory, misinformation uh, over the information. So let's have a better look at ID2020. ID2020 is partly funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Microsoft, as well as various other corporate entities. In short, it's pretty much a digital identification program for for the millions of poor and impoverished people around the world who have no way of formally identifying themselves. Before we look too deeply into IT2020, there are a couple of pretty interesting theories that surround it, one being the mark of the beast. So if you're not at all religious, you'd probably laugh this one off. A lot of religious groups and religious zealots seem to think that the the quantum dot id 2020 the um the technological medical technology aspects of the gates foundation is somehow related to the mark of the beast and this has all come about by a a bible verse that is eerie in its own right and yeah it, it could have some truth to it but like a lot of these things it's all how you decipher it it all comes back to one person's interpretation of it, and it can be interpreted a hundred ways from Sunday. Bible verses are very generically written. They're obviously designed to appeal to a mass audience, not dependent on their education level. So you don't have to be a you don't have to be a biblical scholar in order to decipher them. Anyone can read them and take away that knowledge. On the flip side of that, it can be interpreted for good or for bad, and it can be t- interpreted a thousand different ways. Anyone can use those quotes to fit whatever theory or agenda they're trying to push. So the quote is, it is from the book of Revelation 13, 16, 17. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark. A lot of ways that could be interpreted. 
in researching that, I did find a article by Robert Bridge. It's on fortrust.com. Vaccine, mark of the beast. It's time to stop Bill Gates at all costs. Conspiracy theorists might have this one right. 23rd of May, 2020. So he opens this article stating a reoccurring theme among conspiracy theorists is that the elite are just waiting for the right moment to roll out their mark of the beast technology to remotely identify and control every single human being on the planet, thus sealing their plans for a one-world government. And with many people willing to do just about anything to get back to some sense of normalcy, these fears appear more justified with each passing day. Was John of Patmos history's first conspiracy theorist? Or are we merely indulging ourselves today with a case of self-fulfilling prophecy? Whatever the case may be, many people would probably have serious reservations about being branded with an ID code, even if it had never been mentioned in Holy Scripture. But that certainly has not stopped Microsoft founder Bill Gates, who has been warning about a global pandemic for years, from pushing, pushing such controversial technologies on all of us. In September of 2019, just three months before the coronavirus first appeared in China, ID2020, a San Francisco-based biometric company that counts Microsoft as one of its founding members, quietly announced it was undertaking a new project that involves the exploration of multiple biometric identification technologies for infants that is based on infant immunization and only uses the most successful approaches. For anyone who may be wondering or what one of those most successful approaches might look like, consider the following top contender for the contract. Researchers at MIT have developed what is essentially a high-tech tattoo that stores data in an invisible dye under the skin near the quantum quantum dots I mentioned before. The mark would be delivered together with a vaccine, most likely administered by Gavi, the global vaccine agency that also falls under the umbrella of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So there's a lot of little things starting to stack up here. If you are on the side of the fence where Bill Gates is the bad guy, this is a very good argument for it. He does own a lot of companies that are, are, are involved in this type of technology. On the flip side of that, you could also say, yeah, look, it's just being, it's being used for the, the good of humanity. Um, no need to fear, it's just trying to make people's lives better, then you could also say, well, it's also trying to control people, which I wouldn't want to have an ID tracking chip in me either. I wouldn't like some company or some organization having access to you know medical records and things like that. So yeah, there is there is some cause for concern to, for this type of technology until it's proven, until it's 100% guaranteed that it's going to fall into the wrong hands, I think it should be questioned. The article continues, the researchers showed that their new dye, which consists of nanocrystals called quantum dots, emits near-infrared light that can be detected by a specially equipped smartphone. Today, with the global service economy shut down to prevent large groups of infectious humans from assembling, it is easy to imagine a day when people are required to have their infrared ID tattoo scanned in order to be granted access to any number of public venues. And from there, it requires little stretch of the imagination to see the same tracking nanotechnology being applied broadly across the global economy where it could be used to eliminate the use of dirty money. After all, if reusable bags are being outlawed over the coronavirus pandemic, why should reusable cash get special treatment? Very good point. So obviously, like I was saying before, this technology 
isn't in use yet. It's probably still a little, little way away. But the important thing is, it's in development. It's also pretty far in the in the, in the developmental stage. And like I mentioned on the last coronavirus show I did, are people who have had coronavirus going to be treated differently to those who haven't? Um, are, you know, uh, is this going to affect people's insurance? Oh, you've had coronavirus, so you're in a higher insurance bracket. Does this mean medicines are going to cost more? Does it mean you're not going to be allowed on flights or you have to go through special quarantines or jump through more hoops to prove that you're you're 100% safe? Will this stop people from getting jobs? Is this, like Alex Jones is always talking about, is this going to be some form of social scoring? Are they going to use this as an excuse to to brand and control people who by no fault of their own have contracted a disease that they did not, who have contracted a virus they haven't asked for. It does make you wonder, like you just said, it can be applied broadly across a global community. I mean, look what, look what we've seen with coronavirus. We've seen lots of businesses refusing to take physical cash. They've said wireless or wireless transactions preferred. Are things going to go after coronavirus? Or are we going to go back to using cash? Because you know all the experts kind of agree that we're entering into a cashless society. It's the first time in history that cash has been the non-dominant form of currency. Electronic currency has gone through the roof. Um, more businesses are refusing to take cash and insisting on wireless transactions. We are seeing a micro example of this happening in our local communities. Is this going to be an excuse for the powers that be to outlaw cash and make everybody go online? There's going to be a few people in the world that are not going to go online or be connected to the system if it means that they can't have money. So now the article goes on to another misinformation um, spreader. Writing earlier this month in these pages, geopolitical analyst Pep Escobar provided a compelling argument that the coronavirus, which is driving the world towards a new Great Depression, is being used as cover for the advent of new digital financial system, complete with forced vaccine come nanochip creating a full individual digital identity. As one possible future scenario Escobar imagined, clusters of smart cities linked by AI with people monitoring full-time and duly microchipped doing what they need with a unified digital currency. Those fears took on a greater significance when Bill Gates sat down over the weekend for a breakthrough For a breathtaking interview with CBS this morning, Gates told host Anthony Mason that mass gatherings might have to be prohibited in the age of coronavirus and until a wide-scale vaccination program is enacted. This is a quote. What does opening up look like, Gates asked rhetorically. Before essentially changing the entire social and cultural makeup of the United States in one fell swoop, which activities like school have such benefit and can be done in a way that the risk of transmission is very low, and which activities like mass gatherings may be in certain sense more optional. And so until you've widely vaccinated those activities, until you've widely vaccinated those, may not come back at all. Bill is referring to the immediate future with coronavirus, and he's not wrong. Governments have had to do this all over the world. Mass gatherings have been stopped. I mean, NFL's just come back and there's not a lot of people in the stands. This is the same with sports all over the world. And you know, community events, people are not allowed to gather en masse like they used to. If you've listened to the first episode, you would have heard me mention Bill Gates's 
idea of starting the smart city in Arizona. The land's being purchased as a futuristic idea where these smart cities were going to be like these hubs for the best and brightest. There was going to be a lot of AI integrated into the technology, into the infrastructure. Like I previously said about Bill Gates, he is a futurist. He can predict where things are going to go. He outlines this in his book, The Road Ahead. Is this just Bill predicting the way th- the way things are going to go? Or is it part of some insidious plan? People like to jump up and down and protest that, oh, we can't do what we used to do. We can't go to the football. We can't go to whatever type of mass, mass gatherings going on. Coronavirus deaths have been pretty low. That's true. But at the same time, if you have a mysterious disease or a virus that you don't know a lot about and it kills one person or it kills 10, it's worth paying attention to. So continuing on later on in the article, just last month, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Allergy and Infectious Disease Director, told a Senate subcommittee that over 80% of people who get infected by coronavirus spontaneously recover without any medical intervention. The This makes one wonder why the global lockdown was designed for everyone instead of just the sick and elderly. Yes, that is a very, very good question. A lot of people have said that. Um, the 99% is made to pay for the 1% that get affected. Like I said, yes, uh, if one person is affected, or one per- there is one death from a virus, it is worth looking into. However, is it justification to cripple or control the 99% that don't have it and who may never get it? But yeah, it does, it does make you wonder why the 99% of the healthy people are not allowed to go to work, not allowed to socialize, can't go to the pub, can't do the things that they always always did. I mean, it was just, it was normal life. Yeah, so that was an interesting article on fortross.com. While I was researching, I found a really interesting report on how conspiracy theories, a pandemic, and all these other like sub-theories that are part of a bigger moving organism can be more damaging than the actual outbreak itself. So the report is by Elise Thomas and Albert Zhang. It was published by the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, International Cyber Policy Center. It is a fascinating read if you want to know more about it. I um, suggest you look it up. It's titled ID2020, Bill Gates and the Mark of the Beast. How COVID-19 Catalyzes Existing Online Conspiracy Movements. So I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's you know about 15 pages long. It does bring up some very interesting and fascinating points. From right off the bat, it states that Bill Gates has become the subject of a diverse and rapidly expanding universe of conspiracy theories, which some of them we've had a look at in this episode. As an example, a recent poll found 40% of Republicans and 90%, 19% of Democrats in the U.S. now believe that Gates is linked to a plot to use vaccinations as a pretext to, implicate, to implant microchips into people. And it's just not just America. 13% of Australians believe Bill Gates played a role in the creation and spread of the coronavirus. And, young, and among young Australians, it's 20%. Protests around the world from Germany to Melbourne have included anti-Gates chants and slogans. Yeah, so that's a fucking frightening statistic, especially when you have the people that are making and passing the laws that govern and dictate everyone's lives are believing in a theory that has very little, little evidence to support it. Now, doing a couple of hours of research doesn't make me an expert 
what I have found so far doesn't really lead me to believe that Bill Gates is behind it. So this report takes a close look at a particular variant of the Gates conspiracy theories, which is referred to here as ID2020 Conspiracy, named after the non-profit ID2020 Alliance, which the conspiracy theorists claim has a role in the narrative. A case study for examining the dynamics of online conspiracy theories on COVID-19, like many conspiracy theories, that narrative builds on legitimate concerns, in this case about privacy and surveillance and the context of digital identity systems, and distorts them in extreme and unfounded ways. Yeah, so this is something that I've outlined. It's something I, I do believe is a very genuine concern with a lot of these new, with a lot of new technology, is privacy and surveillance. Um, yeah, you don't, I don't think anyone wants all their information out there digitally why should someone else have it it's your you know it's yours and my information why does some company need it these aren't unfounded concerns by any means i mean these are legitimate privacy concerns so as the article continues it's a not it's important to note that it's never just one theory as they do highlight that is part of the power and the reach of a lot of these conspiracy theories there are, are as many variants of a given conspiracy theory as there are theorists, if not more. Each individual can shape and reshape whatever version of the theory they choose to believe, incorporating some narrative elements and rejecting others. This is what we've seen just in one theory so far, the 5G one. We've seen how people have cherry-picked certain details or elements and can replace them or combine them with other theories or sub-theories to create a just a maelstrom of misinformation. The ID conspiracy theory is a version of a widespread theory that Bill Gates and Microsoft are engaged in an effort to use COVID-19 crisis as a pretext of mandatory vaccination programs, and that the vaccines in turn are a cover for implanting some form of microchip radio frequency identification RFID. So this comes back to the RFID tracking chip. This chip is considered by some to be the satanic mark of the beast. The ID2020 conspiracy theory has evolved to incorporate other key narrative elements. This includes Event 201, which was a 2019 simulation of the pandemic outbreak that organizations connected to Gates participated in, and that's now viewed by, conspiracy, by conspiracists as proof that Gates and his associates were preparing for COVID-19 outbreak, which they would have later caused. It also includes patent W02020060606, filed by Microsoft in 2019. We'll be having a look at that pattern in detail later in the show. Among the many conspiracy theories now surrounding Gates, this one is particularly worthy of, of attention because it highlights the way emergent events catalyze existing online conspiracy substrates. In times of crisis, these digital structures, the online communities, the content, the shaping of recommendation algorithms serve to channel anxious, uncertain individuals towards conspiratorial beliefs. This report focuses primarily on the role and use of these digital structures in proliferating the ID2020 conspiracy. Yeah, very interesting. Um also true and also frightening as i've been harping on all this episode there's never just one part of a theory there's the main theory that's 
has a sub theory that connects back to it that has another sub theory another alternate theory that can all connect back and all be part of the one conspiracy theory which in turn is a part of the problem with conspiracy theories it makes it very hard to believe what's true and what's not it also makes it deciphering if there is any truth to any of these theories even harder and it's also why a lot of conspiracy theories aren't taken as seriously as they should be and why they're so easily to pass off as non-believable ramblings of fringe-dwelling lunatics. So the article sets out its key findings. It pretty much sums, summarizes that certain platforms, e.g. Facebook, um, Twitter, YouTube, have a small number of very engaged conspiracy theorists who in turn have a very large influence over a very targeted and narrow algorithm. So like I was saying before, this all comes back to the algorithms and how these social media companies dictate the information and content to individuals based on what they've been searching for. And and what the two, these two researchers have found is that certain highly engaged individuals know how to manipulate these algorithms and know how to target this information, even if it is... A very low number of people who do it and, and there's a very low number of people who are rea- reacting to these tweets and to these posts it then gets shared and reposted and spread around like basically a virus when events drive a surge in mainstream interest in a given topic or theme associated with the conspiracy new new users may be directed towards conspiracy content or narratives creating a self-reinforcing cycle of engagement and algorithmic optimization. That's also the other problem the report highlights is a lot of these conspiracy theories that are being shared around do in fact contain legitimate information. There are kernels of truth in all of these theories. So it's not just a bunch of made up bullshit, you know, made up by a fucking script writer or someone with a overactive imagination. There is truth and facts to pretty much every conspiracy theory that's that's out there a lot of theories have mutated from factual information which have which has been you know manipulated and shaped to fit whatever narrative someone's trying to push like like we see it like the perfect example is bill gates he's rich he has power he has influence he has a lot of companies that are researching in in developing new medical technology his foundation deals in vaccines bill gates billionaire researches vaccines his company's making planable tracking chips oh this pandemic's happening bill gates's company is making vaccines for coronavirus that's going to secretly implement implant people so you've taken two realistic elements of bill gates's life blended them together combined it with coronavirus and bang now we have the bill gates is secretly planning to microchip everyone through COVID-19 vaccines. Perfect. That takes off. That gets another element. The chips are going to be activated by 5G technology because there's a whole bunch of conspiracies already around 5G as it is. And you probably get where I'm going. I probably don't need to explain it anymore. The report continues. There is actually a lot of legitimate reporting and even official documents used in a lot of these theories. Now, this has the effect of creating a real story, as, as these two put it. It creates an, an illusion of legitimacy, which also in turn 
makes it very hard for social media platforms to mediate and remove content that they that they think is fake because there is truth in it. So if so if they're specifically looking for fake news articles, it's not going to be flagged as fake because it does have real information. So it does look legitimate. So then it it gets passed through the net and then it spreads and it spreads and it mutates into a fully fledged conspiracy theory on its own. This is more or less how the ID2020 conspiracy came to life. It kind of evolved from several other related theories. It took real news information and kind of piggybacked on the existing theories and in turn mutated and evolved into its own hybrid mutant theory. So the report outlines what it, what's the ID2020 conspiracy theory. So the ID2020 Alliance is a non-profit organization that promotes shared principles to guide an ethical approach to global identity systems. Microsoft is a founding member. So in September of 2019, the ID2020 Alliance launched a new digital identity program in partnership with Gavi, which is the Global Vaccine Alliance co-founded by Bill and Melinda Gates' foundation and others. Partly because of its work with Gavi and connections with Microsoft, ID2020 has been the subject of conspiracy theories since long before the COVID-19 crisis. ID2020 conspiracy theories before 2020 primarily centered on resistance to vaccinations, but many variants also drew in elements of opposition to the UN and the so-called New World Order, or fears that ID2020 and Microsoft were using vaccination programs as a cover to implant microchips, quantum dots, or other tracking devices. One particularly prominent version of the ID2020 conspiracy that appears to have been driven primarily by fringe Christian conspiracy sites is that the ID2020's program is linked to the Mark of the Beast. Conspiracy theories about vaccines being the Mark of the Beast date back centuries. To when smallpox vaccines derived from cow lymph, that could also explain why the cow shit theory kind of got off the ground. It was based on a realistic vaccine that was made from cow lymph nodes would leave a physical mark on the human body. So in 2019, fringe conspiracy media put a modern twist on an old conspiracy alleging that ID2020 is part of a global New World Order conspiracy to inject microchips, representing the mark of the beast into the population in order to track and control them. I'm not sure how they would control people through a chip. It It'd be more like they could coerce you to do something or push you in the right direction, but I'm not sure how viable full control would be if the chip wasn't implanted into the brain. So this is a quote from that site. The ID2020 Alliance, as it's being called, is a digital identity program that aims to leverage immunization as a means of inserting tiny microchips into people's bodies. In collaboration with the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations, also known as Gavi, the Government of Bangladesh and other various partners in government, academia and humanitarian relief, the ID2020 Alliance hopes to usher in this mark of the beast as a way to keep tabs on every human being living on Earth. Similar to how cattle are marked with ear tags, the Globalist Alliance wants all humans to be vaccinated with digital tracking chips that will create a seamless monitoring system for the new world order to manage the populations of the world with ease. Vaccines now being used to harvest biometric identities for everyone. 
Big Brother merges with Big Pharma. Natural News, 23rd of October, 2019. So maybe that is true. Maybe the New World Order are behind everything. I mean, yeah, that is possible. I don't think it could be completely ruled out. That statement there also demonstrates what these two are, what this report is all about. You have one theory that is intertwined with another theory that's intertwined with another theory. So there is a digital identity program called ID2020. We know that that's fact. They are going to keep tabs on people who have had vaccines by using quantum dots, mainly in the third world. It's not a bad thing. Then you've got a religious conspiracy thrown in there. You've got the anti-vaccination theory, the anti-tech, um, the big pharma, big brother. Yeah, they're, they're all realistic on their own. But now they've been mashed into one that is kind of obscuring the the original theory and the truth. If you're not a devout Catholic or Christian, well, the mark of the beast really has no meaning. It's You'd, you'd laugh it off and you go about your day. But if you are, you are religious, then you are going to obsess over that and yeah, it's the mark of the beast. How many times has that been fucking used over the years, especially with, with the tech age? Every new piece of technology is somehow connected to Satan. So another statement from the report. There appears to have been some degree of crossover from quite early on between ID2020 and the anti-5G conspiracy theories, which is unsurprising given the high level of cross-pollination between anti-vaccine and anti-5G groups more broadly. Yeah, once again, two related, two crossover. One crosses over with this new ID2020, and it seems to fit. It, the pieces are similar, so let's go with it. Even so, in December, ID2020 conspiracy theories remained small and total levels of activity related to ID2020 remained relatively low. So why is this significant? Algorithms on platforms such as Google, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are designed to respond in part to engagement where overall activity is low. A small number of highly engaged users have the potential to exert disproportionate influence over recommendation algorithms. In other words, where conspiracists are the most engaged users on a given niche topic or search term, they both generate content and effectively train recommendation algorithms to recommend the conspiracy theory to other users. This means that when there's a rush of interest, as precipitated in this case by the COVID-19 crisis, large numbers of users may be driven towards pre-existing conspiratorial content and narratives. Very interesting, and uh, there's a lot of truth to that. That's all I'll read from that. It's a very hefty report. ID2020, Bill Gates, and the Mark of the Beast. How COVID-19 catalyzes existing online conspiracy movements. PDF, look it up. It's uh, worth a read. It's very fascinating. So now we come to ID2020. Is ID2020 a good or a bad thing? At this point in time, it's hard to tell. Um, the The implementation seems to be for the good it'll probably have a profoundly positive effect on the lives of millions of poor and impoverished people who don't have any formal identity now i might sound like i've been you know reading the website slogan too much but in truth it has the potential to change people's lives yeah it could also go the other way and be a force for bad if it does go into the wrong hands or if you know one of these companies decides to sell your information or use it to manipulate you or whatever however how is this much different to what's already happening our digital identities are already out there the first world has been digitalized decades ago i mean if you've signed up for a website if you've signed up for online banking 
um, insurance, home loan, anything you've done online which has your identity or has your address and your information on it, I hate to break it to you, they, that's your digital identity. Especially the bank. You have your bank records, your name, address, account numbers. Yeah, that's about all, all, they, all anyone would ever really need to know pretty much everything about you. So is this another initiative from Bill Gates, another one of his future, futurist plans? Is this the first part of a bigger technological awakening, a more LinkedIn connected global community? Or is it designed to help the, the poorest members of the human family? Who knows at this stage? So let's um, get some more information on what ID2020 is and how it works. So the first question we've got to ask ourselves, what is ID2020 and how does it work? The concept of identity and the universal right of individual identity. Now, what is so fantastic about that? Think of it this way. What defines you as a person? Is it your name? Is it your bank account? Is it your phone number? Is it your email? What is it? In this online world, you would cease to exist if you didn't have an identity. If you didn't have a specific identity that, that is individually catered to you, you'd probably cease to exist. As a human in a, digi- in a digital world, you'd be a nobody. So when someone takes that identity, you feel robbed, exposed, your identity is out there. It doesn't. It's not, not a nice feeling. But there's millions of people around the world that don't have any type of recognizable identity. And that's important for several key reasons. One... You know, these people could be terrorists trying to come into a country. They could be legitimate refugees. They might be economic refugees. There's many different reasons people don't have an identity, try to hide it, and who try to slip through the cracks. On the other hand, there's a lot of innocent people that just happen to be born in a third world country where they don't have the infrastructure or the record-keeping abilities to give them a formal identity. Now, you think of it, when you go to jail... You're given a number, you're not really given a name. When your identity is summed up by numbers, which is part of a bigger organization or an institution, it strips the individual identity away from the person. You cease to become John Smith and you become inmate 17849. It strips the identity and it breaks down the individual. You are now institutionalized and a part of a system where you have to play ball. Otherwise, the ramifications and the consequences aren't going to be in your favor. That's a world most people don't want to live in. What is RD2020? How did this all come about? Well, I'm about to tell you. RD2020 is a multi-layered non-governmental organization which is developing and pioneering and pushing digital ID. ID2020's focus is to provide ID for billions of impoverished and undocumented people from all around the world. This includes anyone from homeless people, refugees, poor communities, and low socioeconomic areas. Now, on the surface, it has the potential to do great things, but with everything, there's always a catch, or the potential for it to be used for the wrong reasons. I mean, it I don't think I even have to elaborate on that much. That that could go horribly wrong. I could start selling people's identification. Who knows? There's a million different things that could go wrong with that. But let's just assume for a second that their heart's in the right place. ID2020 is an NGO, which means a non-governmental organization. 
it's not really that new. It didn't just pop up uh, at the end of 2019 to cater for a for 2020s global pandemic that it apparently catered for. It has been around for some time. Uh, it was founded back in 2016 at the UN ed- headquarters of all places in New York. There's a lot of conspiracy theories around, around the UN, some founded, some not. There's some questionability to the UN, how effective they are, what, what are some of their overall plans. Uh, and they go back to the end of World War II. They have a very long and shaky history. I don't fully trust the UN. So it, it is strange that this you know apparent identification system was founded in the UN headquarters. So now a couple of years ago, no one gave a shit about RD2020. No one knew what it was, let alone cared. It was just another tech startup with good intentions. It's only recently been on people's mind due to COVID-19 and all the bullshit the pandemic has brought. So four years ago, no one cared about RD2020. I knew what it was. Vaccines, implantable chips, tracking tech were not on people's minds. RD2020 and Bill Gates have become the scapegoats for the pandemic. And as we've seen on this episode, this is largely being compounded by the conspiracy theories that surround COVID-19 that have all been tied back to Bill Gates, whether you believe it or not. So ID2020 is not all about digital ID. It is a diverse organization that covers multiple areas. So let's go back to 2016. The first ID2020 summit, the inaugural summit, is a think tank that brings together 400 of the best and brightest to talk about the concept of digital identity and how to provide it to the masses. So if there's any red flag in that, you'd have to think, why are the best and brightest concerned with other people's identities? Why do they care about the poor? These charities or organizations, whether you believe they have the best interest of these people at heart or if it's just done as a philanthropic cover to make themselves look better, it's kind of up to you. But why are they concerned? Why do they care? I think you should always question someone's motives and intentions. So the thought process behind digital identity as discussed at the summit is to bring universal identity to the most vulnerable. Digital ID would bring a universally recognized form of ID to those who don't have any recognized form of identification. ID2020 is a part of, is a part initiative of the Sustainable Development Goals, also known as the SDGs, which are a part of the UN's 2030 Better and More Sustainable Future for All ideals. Now, if you've heard about Agenda 21, that kind of falls in line with that. The UN have come up with a guideline of how to live in a better, cleaner, more sustainable future, which is supposed to be implemented by 2030, then followed up 20 years later with with the 2050 uh, initiative. So who does RD2020 benefit? Well, it would benefit the nearly 1.5 billion who don't formally have any form of ID. So as I said before, if you don't have an identification, you don't exist, especially in a digital-centric online world that we are currently living in. So it's a good idea um, for migrants and refugees. You can check where these people originated from. Are they legitimate? Are they economic refugees? Or have they generally fled war-torn countries because their lives are at stake? But one of the biggest benefits is it prevents human trafficking. If you have an ID and you're on a database, it reduces the risk of being part of human trafficking or being 
exploited to forced labor, uh, sex slaves, prostitution, things like that. It cuts out a lot of the darker, nasty sides of human nature. It's not a cure-all. I'm not that naive. If you live in a country where kidnapping is a way of life and an occupation, if everyone has a digital ID, it lessens your chance of becoming a victim of kidnapping or trafficking. Criminal elements prey on these communities because they know they can get away with it. They know no one cares about these people. They know they, if they disappear, no one's ever going to find them, largely because they, their identifications don't really exist. If they're not written down on paper, there's no records being held of the, about these people. They're just another person that disappeared off the street. No one's going to come looking for them. No one cares. In first world countries, we take identification for granted. It's just a right that's been ascribed to us at birth. We don't think too much off of it. You know, it gets us a bank account, it gets us a job, it makes us easier to look up. If you're a criminal, that kind of that identification can come back to bite you. You know, there's a lot of people in jail that wish their permanent records were a little different. As I mentioned before, it's a NGO. Most of ID2020's backers are big tech companies. Given the track record with big big tech companies and their privacy policies, their you know, terms of use slash service the way they treat their employees, and the general perverted freaks that run some of those companies, I think we should be very wary of anyone implementing such technology. I know there's a lot of good that can come with it, but it's always, you always have to look at who's running things behind the scenes. Now, let's make a connection to Harvey Weinstein for a minute. Yeah, he produced some great movies, but was he a morally sound character? Yeah, he might have been a good film producer, but... Look at what he was doing behind the scenes. Everyone thought he was a super producer that everyone wanted to work with, but he was also a perverted freak. If you have a company with a bunch of CEOs and the head honchos of these companies that have people's digital lives stored in their in, at their companies, if you have someone who is morally corrupted or doesn't have the best moral standing, things could go pretty sideways pretty quickly. So is it a good thing that it is an NGO? Um, on the one hand, it is a bad thing. It's an NGO. There's no government regulation. And it's a good thing because it has no government regulation. Unlike a government organization, there's fail-safes, there's, there's standards that need to be met, there's regulations, there's procedures you have to go through, and there's probably also the random checks. Would this happen with an NGO? I'm not sure. There's probably some type of inspections that take place to make sure money's getting to where it's supposed to be going. Things are being run the way they should be and no one is doing anything they shouldn't be. Being a private company, that means the government can't just tell them what to do and take a part of the earnings if there is any. If you have a, you know, a very dodgy government or a rogue government that wants to do things their own way, what's the recipe for a Mission Impossible movie? And if you do believe in the New World Order or you know corrupt shadow governments, that would provide them with the perfect excuse and the perfect cover to access millions of people's information pretty easily. So there's pros and cons to both sides. So this is a little quote from the ID2020 site. Experts in blockchain and other cryptographic technology joined with representatives of the technical standards body to identify how technology and other private sector expertise expertise could achieve the goal. So according to the ID2020 website, they state the need for 
good digital identity is universal. The ability to prove who you are is a fundamental and universal human right. I can't argue with that. Because we live in a digital era, we need a trusted and reliable way to do that, both in the physical world and online. So ID2020 has four core requirements, as they call it, which are called the four Ps. Private, portable, persistent, and personal. So private, only you control own your own identity, what data is shared and with whom. Portable, accessible anywhere you happen to be through multiple methods. Persistent, lives with you from life to death. Personal, unique to you and you only. So they outline the kind of the good and the bad on the site. They have the what challenges they've faced along the way and who some of their backers are. Go have a look at it, see what you see what you think. Read through their mission statement. So come up with your own theories if you think they're for the betterment of humanity or for the worse. So, as stated, the overall mission of ID2020 is to have ID accessible for the most vulnerable people and populations as a part of the UN's SDG. So ID2020 has published a 10-point mission statement which includes we believe that individuals must have control over their own digital identities including how personal data is collected used and shared well that's all good as long as the company NGO or the institution does the right thing and plays by the rules so far ID2020 has been used once uh, ID2020 and the government of Bangladesh teamed up in 2019 to roll out a digital identity program with Gavi to immunize newborns in improvised areas. ID2020 news site called PR Newswire. The news is provided by the ID2020 Alliance. This is from September 19th, 2019. ID2020 Alliance launches digital ID program with Government of Bangladesh and Gavi. Announces new partners at annual summit. So the ID2020 Alliance is hosting its annual summit today in New York where it announced the launch of an ambitious digital identity program with the government of Bangladesh and Gavi. The Vaccine Alliance, as well as new partners in government, academia and humanitarian relief. The government of Bangladesh, the Directive General of Health Services and Gavi, recognising the opportunity for immunisation to serve as a platform for digital identity. This program leverages existing vaccination and birth registration operations to offer newborns a persistent and portable biometrically linked digital identity. We are implementing a forward-thinking approach to digital identity that gives individuals control over their own personal information, while still building off existing systems and programs, said Anwar Chahadwi, policy advisor at, at the A2I. The government of Bangladesh recognises that the design of digital identity systems carries far-reaching implications for individuals, access to services and livelihoods, and we are eager to pioneer this approach. So you can read all about that on PR Newswire. So the technology has been rolled out, it has been field tested, and it does work. None of those people are in camps, to my knowledge. They haven't been coerced to do anything by the powers that be. The technology seems to be doing the, to be working and to be doing the right thing. So let's have a look at some of the founding backers of ID2020. So unsurprisingly, uh, Microsoft is up there. Uh, Microsoft is one of the founding partners of ID2020. So I think we all know the story here. 
ID2020 has several connections back to Bill Gates. However, Bill Gates is obviously not running Microsoft anymore, so can you really say that there's a direct connection to him? Yeah, he created the company, but he's not in charge of the day-to-day operations anymore. So according to ID2020.org, so the founding partners of the ID20 Alliance are Accenture, a global management consulting and professional services firm, Gavi, we all know that's the uh, vaccination, vaccination, the Vaccine Alliance, the Rockefeller Foundation. It should be no surprise they've got a they've got their fingers in many pies. They fund a lot of various companies and projects. IDEO or IDEO, the International Design and Consulting Firm, IDEO.org. So some of their general partners are Mercy Corps, a non-governmental humanitarian aid organization, Kiva, Hyperledger, iRespond, Care, Simprints, ICC, FHI360 and Berkeley. And they have pro bono support provided by Copperfield Advisory and Chapman and Cutler LLP. There's a lot of various and diversified investment going on behind the scenes. So this brings up the next question. Why are these mega investors interested in the poor's struggles? The rich don't do anything unless there is something in it for them. Well, that might not be entirely true, but most of the time the rich are only concerned about bettering themselves or making money. It's once again tech companies who are dictating everyday life to people. They've meddled in a lot of things over the years and now they're telling people what we should be doing. They're also investing in companies who are going to be responsible for people's identities. Yeah, fair enough. It's a, it is a technological industry initiative, I guess, but we don't need any more interference from tech companies in day-to-day life. So I mentioned Alex Jones before. So Alex Jones delivered a pretty scathing review of implantable chips in October of last year. Uh, he claimed that they had been in use in Mexico and right throughout Latin America and that were now in use in Texas and other parts of the US, mainly in homeless communities. So I was reading somewhere that apparently it's the people in Latin America and Mexico wanted to get implanted with them to prevent from human trafficking. I'm not sure how true the report is. Even though Alex Jones is 75% to 85% right about a lot of stuff that he talks about. Not everything, but you know he's been talking about Epstein for years and no one believed him and what happened? So to summarize ID2020, yeah, it's good on the one hand, but it's caused concern on the other. Why 2020? It has to mean something. It can't just be a poetic name that seems to rhyme. It obviously was founded in 2016. So why 2020? It has to mean something. I researched this for a couple of hours and I couldn't find why it was called ID2020, which concerns me. Yeah, I could be wrong. Probably am. I'm just saying. I couldn't find a lot of information to state what 2020 was about. It does seem a bit ominous that 2020 is the year a global pandemic breaks out, society collapses, the world economy shits itself, and people are talking about this mysterious company that likes to implant things into people so they can have digital ID. It does seem a little coincidental, if you believe in coincidences. Why 2020? It does make you wonder. We assume it refers to the year 2020, as would be a logical conclusion to make. But on the other hand, is there a connection to Agenda 2021? Is this bad or is this good? It's 
very hard to tell. Are they working in in people's best interests, or is there some other nefarious reason for it? So, as we've seen, ID2020, it's a public slash private association. It is aligned with the UN's 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. I can't say that's a bad thing. However, it does remain unseen if it's a good thing. Let's look at the good versus the bad. There is potential to make poor people's lives better, but it could go horribly wrong. Why aren't the rich lining up to get the implants, you uh, might wonder. Why is it always the poor that have to be the guinea pigs? They never experiment on themselves, they always use the less fortunate. And this looks like the same case here. This is just a digital form of societal experimentation. In my opinion, they really don't care. Why isn't Bill or the CEOs and corporate heads rolling up their sleeves to get ID2020 implanted in them? Why the rollout in countries with low infrastructure, unregulated systems, lack of governmental controls and laws, a lack of any type of healthcare or a law system, it makes it much harder for these countries to fight back if they don't have the infrastructure or the money or the know-how to fight back against a giant multinational billion-dollar organization that has all the resources at its disposal. So that's all I'm going to say about ID2020. Let's move along here. So we talked about ID2020. So now let's have a look at something that is very similar. Neuralink. If you don't know, Neuralink is a company founded by Elon Musk in 2016. Neuralink is developing some pretty cutting-edge nanotechnology. Much like ID2020, it can have a profound and positive effect on people's lives. The biggest difference in Neuralink is it's not an NGO. It is a for-profit corporation, and you know, there's many reasons for this. Elon is a very smart businessman. I mean, hey, if I was him, I would want to make as much money out of my inventions as I could because most of the time he's putting the money back into research and development into new technologies and initiatives and programs that are going to make people's lives better. In short, he is making money to put back into his own companies to make a better, more sustainable future, and that's fine by me. There's also the research and development costs of such technology. This stuff doesn't come free, doesn't come cheap, and he needs the best people in the world working on it. There's also the ongoing tech prices and price of natural materials, scientists, factories to make new and specialized components for these machines. Neuralink is making implantable brain machines, or BMIs, that are implanted into the brain and connected by tiny wires. Pretty much the device is charged wirelessly and can and can be controlled by uh, by an app. Just recently, Neuralink has released pictures of its eight-foot-tall high machine that will do the operations on humans. Human trials are, be, are to begin this year. The machine is being likened to a sewing machine. So Neuralink has various applications, much the same as much the same as some of ID2020's programs. It has the potential to treat brain diseases and disorders uh, such as blindness, strokes, paraplegics, and a lot more. It's very exciting stuff. If it works, it's very cutting edge. It has the potential to do a, a lot of good. Like ID2020, it could go very wrong or be manipulated and used against its users. This is mostly because it's been designed to connect with AI. This is cause for alarm, but that's neither here nor there because it's that hasn't really been tested yet yeah if you're like me you're a bit of a technophobe but you're also fascinated by technology 
it could go wrong if you know the AI is corrupted or develops its own brain and goes self-aware, decides that why the fuck are we helping these people? They're gonna you know be their own downfall. They're gonna be our downfall. Fuck it, let's kill them right now. If you got the Terminator out, it's a cause for a bit of concern. So why aren't people making the fuss about Elon Musk as they are about Bill Gates? Elon Musk is further along in in the development stage. He is. He's working a hell of a lot faster than ID2020 and 5G combined. So why aren't people referring to him as the mark of the beast? Maybe because it's popular. Maybe because he does have people, seems to have people's best interests at heart. I mean, personally, I love Elon Musk. I think he's a fascinating human being. He's done a lot of good so far, and he's going to continue to do a lot of good. I think Bill Gates' background and how he was such a ruthless businessman has has shaped a lot of people's opinions rather unjustly probably, but unfortunately that's just the way things uh, work. One, negative stories get more traction than positive. I found a couple of articles stating how bad Elon Musk's Neuralink and his AI programs are going to be, but it wasn't really worth bringing up. But there's not as many as Bill Gates. He's not all over Facebook. Well, I've I've seen a couple of articles about Neuralink on Facebook, but there wasn't much. It was just said how good it was and how it would connect people to this to this machine and this artificial intelligence. However, yeah, like I said, it could, it is kind of cause for concern, but there's just no data on it yet. So Musk has also founded a AI company called OpenAI that is divided into a for-profit corporation and a non-profit OpenAI Incorporated, which is not for profit. So it goes, with, it goes without saying that the company pursues artificial intelligence research. It's pretty obvious. It's kind of stated in the name. OpenAI's main focus seems to be aimed at creating artificial intelligence systems that are user-friendly, that benefit humanity and age-slash-transcend the human experience. As I said, it has the potential to benefit a lot of people who have had traumatic brain injuries or conditions from birth. And you know who, who are we to sit back and judge and criticize someone who wants to see or who wants to be able to use an artificial limb like a like a functioning hand and that's one that's a option that technology has afforded us interesting to note that OpenAI got a one billion dollar investment by microsoft could this be concerning is microsoft trying to monopolize the brain interface medical technology game this could be seen as bill gates meddling in another technology artificial intelligence slash medical industry who knows i mean there's many many connections you can make many theories you can go down <clears throat> this could work out well for for microsoft and for id 2020 this can kind of connect back to some of the research they're doing if they make better leaps and bounds in the technology they can sell some of the patterns or share the patterns with id 2020 and its backers they can make you know better more functioning digital id chips they can make better vaccines, they have the better machinery to do it, more efficient, they can do it more safely. It could benefit everyone in the long run, provided it's used for for, for good. There are a few concerns around OpenAI and Neuralink. So the biggest concerns with OpenAI, besides the obvious, giving a machine access to your brain and thoughts, you know, what if it malfunctions, short circuits, what if it hits the, the bad switch and makes you want to start killing people? I'm sure there's fail-safes, but, you know, these things could happen. You could let the sci-fi disaster gauntlet run rampant in your mind to come up with any type of scenario, science fiction-related scenario that could go wrong. 
The biggest, probably the biggest concern for OpenAI and any technolo technology industry is the constant rush to be the first in the tech industry. The tech industry is pretty cutthroat and you want to be the first one to the table with a new invention, not the last. So this is a excerpt I found on Wikipedia that describes some of the problems with OpenAI. By August 2020, only three of the eight founding scientists remained at the company, according to an article by Stat News, which reported that Neuralink had seen years of internal conflict in which rushed timelines have clashed with the slow and incremental pace of science. So there's a classic debate, money and corporations dictating the progress of science. They want results so they can make profit. But as most people know, science is a long-term game, not a short one. Okay, let's move on to the last part of the podcast. Now let's have a look at quantum dots. So, quantum dots, what's the big fuss? Pretty much quantum dots are invisible tattoos that appear under infrared to near-infrared light. Quantum dots have been traced back to the Gates conspiracy and his plan to vaccinate the world. There's a lot of bullshit here, a lot of misinformation, misdirection. To give a quick history of quantum dots, quantum dots were developed by a team of bioengineers from MIT. The tech is very cool and has a lot of very practical and life-saving applications. So, Bill Gates refers to it as a human implantable quantum dot microneedle vaccination delivery system. So what would be the benefits of a quantum dot microneedle delivery system? It would make going overseas a hell of a lot easier, especially if you're going to countries with malaria, dengue fever, or any of those other nasty, easily transmittable viruses, diseases, or parasites. Especially if you're going to underdeveloped countries or ones that don't have a very good healthcare system or infrastructure, such as clean running water. It'll give you one less thing to worry about when you're overseas. You could just be out doing all your touristy things, not having to worry about, oh, have I had my malaria shot? If I get bitten by this mosquito, is it going to kill me? So you can just go and be another ignorant tourist out and about. The quantum dot needle can do all the work for you. It can give you shots, flashes a temporary tattoo that pops up on the skin, letting you know that the shot has been administered. The same thing would be something. Same thing goes if you were diabetic or had any other type of condition that required an injection. It has the potential to help a uh, a lot of people. Connecting this back to the Mark of the Beast theory, and this is kind of easy to see why people can make a connection with the Mark of the Beast, whether you believe it or not. So these quantum dots will use a substance called luciferase. It's an infrared ink, which is the ink that shows up under a person's skin. This is the same ink that is that tracks vaccines a person has had. It is coated into the skin and pops up with whatever designed color it has. So, Lucifer sounds pretty scary, it does sound like the devil has had a hand in it somehow, but is this just another misconception? Is this just someone taking a ominous sounding name and kind of going with it? So a lot of people are making a big deal about the quantum dot and the implantable microneedles, but the technology is still in development. They're only just doing trials on rats and other small animals, and they haven't quite gone to human trials. It's probably not going to come out in 2020, so there's a lot of hoorah about nothing. A lot of people are getting scared over some over a form of technology that isn't available yet. And this is supposed to tie back to the conspiracy theory and how Bill Gates is apparently going to take over the world. On Gen Eng News, 
Genin News. On GenNews.com, there's a article entitled Quantum Dots Deliver Vaccines and Invisibly Encode Vaccination History in Skin. So they point out that vaccines save an estimated 2 to 3 million lives every year, but another 1.5 million vaccine-preventable deaths occur each year due to under-vaccination, under primarily in developing countries. The authors commented, One factor that makes vaccination campaigns in those nations more difficult is that there is little infrastructure for strong medical records. So there's often no easy way to determine who needs a particular vaccine. The problem is compounded because many vaccines, such as the vaccine for measles, mumps and rubella, require multiple doses spaced out at certain intervals. In order to be protected against most pathogens, one needs multiple vaccinations. In some areas in the developing world, it can be very challenging to do this, as there is a lack of data about who has been vaccinated and whether they need additional shots or not. So there is a potential for this to do a lot of good. I do understand the hesitation. Who knows what they're actually putting into these micro dot needles to be injected into you. They could tell you anything. It could be mind-altering chemicals. It could be LSD. It could be cancer-causing chemicals. It could be anything. So according to this article, researchers headed by a team at MIT have created a microneedle platform using fluorescent, fluorescent microparticles called quantum dots, which can deliver vaccines and at the same time invisibly encode vaccination history directly in the skin. The quantum dots are composed of nanocrystals, which emit near-infrared light that can be detected by a specially equipped smartphone. Tests using the platform show the QDs delivered to samples of human skin were detectable after photobleaching that sim simulated five years of exposure sunlight, and they remained detectable for up to nine months when tested in rats. So experiments in live rats confirmed that the micro-needle patches could also successfully deliver a polio vaccine at amounts generated therapeutic antibody levels. It's possible someday that this invisible approach could create new possibilities for data storage. Biosing and vaccine applications that could improve how medical care is provided, particularly in the developing world. Senior researcher Robert Lang, Langer, PhD, the David H. Cox Institute professor at MIT. The study confirmed the incorporating, that incorporating the vaccine with the dye in the microdental patches did not affect the efficiency of the vaccine or our ability to detect the dye. Anna Jelanek, a researcher scientist at MIT's Koch Institute for Integrative Cancer Research. So some very interesting stuff. Should it be feared? maybe maybe not i think some questions need to be asked but i don't think it's the mark of the beast or a plan by the antichrist or bill gates to take over the planet i think that is nonsensical non-logical conspiratorial crap as much as i do like conspiracies i think that one is safely ruled out so this luciferese what the fuck it's a pretty scary sounding name which makes you think of the devil um is this where the Mark of the Beast shit has come from? Maybe. It is a pretty weird name for something that's used in the medical industry. So what is it? And why the satanic-sounding name? Luciferase can refer to any number of oxidative enzymes that could produce bioluminescence in the natural world. So what's in the name? Is that just all this is here? Just a 
ominous, sinister-sounding name that really is just an innocent part of the natural world? Is this just a bunch of religious dogma clouding the issue? Lucifer, the devil, Satan, the Antichrist. What's the connection here? Well, Luciferese surprisingly doesn't have any type of grounding in the religious world, in the medieval world, or anything to do with the church at all. The name comes from a French man by the name of Raphael Debose, a pharmacologist from the mid to late 19th century. He coins the term Luciferian derived from a Latin word Lucifer, meaning light bearer. He also coins the phrase Luciferese, the same Luciferese that is used in the quantum dots. So Luciferes are found readily throughout nature. Luciferes include insects, bacteria, plants, and fungi such as glow-in-the-dark mushrooms, and in certain marine animals like jellyfish. Just go on YouTube and type in glow-in-the-dark jellyfish, and that gives you a pretty good example of what this Luciferes is and what what it, what it can do. So this is a quote about Luciferes from Wikipedia. However, unlike fluorescent proteins, Luciferes do not require an external light source but do require addition to luciferin, the consumable substrate. These enzymes are the ones used in invisible inks, the same invisible inks used in the dyes in the quantum dots. Luciferases have many applications in the tech world, in particular biotechnology, uh, medicine, and in microscopy. So once again, these are very cool applications. Just imagine how cool it would be to have glow-in-the-dark tattoos. You would look like those like the punk extras from the Joel Schumacher Batman films. It'd be kind of cool for a while, then it'd probably get pretty annoying trying to sleep. So it could also have various medical applications, as I mentioned about sunburn indication, sickness and disease indication, uh, blood sugar, insulin levels, etc. It could also act as a way to keep people up to date with health checks, shots or medicines they're taking. So... Should we just ban it based on a name, or do we need to do some research on it? If it can help people's lives, I think we let, we should let the scientists and the and the medical professionals make the decision, not a bunch of far-out-there conspiracy theorists. So, let's move on to the final part of the show. Let's have a look at the infamous Microsoft pattern number ending in 666, or so we've been told. So, the number in question is not Microsoft pattern 666. It is Microsoft patent number W02020600660. Yes, you can read between the lines for that one, but it's not exactly 666 in a row. You can head on over to patentscope.wepo.int and you can search for the Microsoft patent. You can read up the whole history of the patent, when it was submitted, what it does, what the plans are for it. You could just go to a Celebrity Chef page like... Pete Evans, who is a discredited paleo quack fucking moron who's been fired from pretty much every platform he's been on, who claims that, can anyone tell me what this pattern is supposed to do? I'm asking for a friend. He uh, put that on Facebook several months ago. It takes about two minutes to look at this pattern to work out what it does. There's nothing really that outstanding about it. I'm sure the patent for Wi-Fi and a lot of telecommunications technology probably looked exactly the same. If you head on over to patentscope.wipo.int, the number in question is the publication number 
of the pattern WO slash two zero two zero slash zero six zero six zero six. I'm sure the numbers mean something. That's not the only number related to the pattern. There's several of them. There's IPC numbers, CPC numbers, there's publication data numbers, dates, there's a lot of numbers associated with this pattern. But for whatever reason, this is this happens to be the one that everyone's looking at because it's got 666 in it. Yes, if you read between the lines and get rid of the zeros and all the other numbers, you do get 666. There's nothing that is that really special or really exciting about the pattern. You can go over and look at it yourself. There are many numbers in the pattern application that are very similar too. The other thing about the pattern is it's not in production yet. It's been submitted, but there hasn't been granted approvals, which means no manufacturing or research and development can take place just yet. This is also connected to the same conspiracy that is that is supposedly happening right now. A lot of reports have also missed out a key part of this number. The real number ends with a A1. The real pattern number is W02020606060A1. A1 meaning that it's been filed but it is not in use. The other part about the pattern is there is no mention of implantable microchips. It has clearly been described as a cryptocurrency system that generates a blockchain slash mines cryptocurrency from human movement and body heat, more or less human activity. I'm not quite sure how it exactly works. It does kind of sound cool, but it's a bit, yeah, it is a bit concerning at the same time. I'm not sure it really warrants all that concern. But then again, you know, we have to look at things skeptically until it's being proven to work 100%. It's something I wouldn't be partaking in personally. And realistically, it's probably a pattern and a design for a product that is never, ever going to see the light of day. Just like millions of other patterns and inventions that don't have a market or are not worth the time of research and development and the outlying costs. So there's a good article on news.bitcoin.com that outlines the entire plan by Microsoft. So there's a quote from the creators, a brainwave or body heat emitted from the user when the user performs a task provided by an information or service provider, such as viewing advertisement or using certain internet services can be used in the mining process. So in other words, you can make money by checking Facebook, surfing the web, playing Candy Crush, playing Fruit Ninja, or just fucking around on your phone. If someone wants to pay you for that, go for it. For example, instead of massive computation work required by some conventional cryptocurrency systems, data generated based on the body activity of the user can be a proof of work, and therefore a user can solve the the computational difficult problem unconsciously. Kind of cool, it might be a big hurrah about nothing, but might be something. So in short, you can make currency from looking up things online. The final nail in the Mark of the Beast conspiracy and in the Bill Gates trying to microchip everyone theory, you can head on over to Snopes.com and you can look at their fact check article, Does Microsoft Own Patent 666? about implanting microchips in people. It scored a mostly false rating. What's true? Microsoft published a patent for a cryptocurrency system using body activity data. This patent is filed under the number W02020606060A1. What's false? The number W02020606060A1 contains three sixes, 
but is obviously not the same as the 666. The pattern focuses on tracking body activity via wearable technology, such as a smartwatch, and makes no mention of implanted microchips. It also points out that a lot of these theories have a lot of unwarranted fear behind them. They also have cherry-picked certain details and omitted certain others and other details to basically to align this theory with with whatever agenda they're trying to push. As the article highlights, Microsoft Technology Licensing applied for this patent in June 2019, and the patent was published a few months later in March of 2020 under the under the number W. O two zero two zero zero six zero six zero six a one. The pattern, which is not being granted as of this writing, makes no mention of microchips. Diagrams included in this pattern and shown in the screenshots above show how the person slash user device and sensor all are all distinct items. The text of the pattern further explains that this user device in the diagram may include wearables such as smartwatches or cell phones, laptops or tablets. So what about the claim that this is a world order pattern 666? As we noted above, this pattern has truly published under the number, I'm not going to say it again because it's starting to annoy me. It truly contains the number 666 or more accurately 060606, however pattern yada yada yada, is not the same as patent 666, and that's a very key point to make here. Furthermore, the W, the WO at the start of the patent does not stand for World Order. It is a shorthand for WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Organization, which issued this patent. The A1 at the end of this patent signifies that it is only a published patent the kind code B1 is applied to granted patents. So I was kind of right with what I was saying before. And I do apologize because I got the number a little wrong. We reached out to Microsoft for more information about this patent and we'll update this article when we hear back. So there you have it. Head on over to Snopes.com. The article is, Does Microsoft Own Patent 666 About Implanting Microchips in People? By Dan Evan, published 20th of April, 2020. It's not looking good for the Bill Gates conspiracy theory. Just by myself personally doing a couple of hours of research, I've found a lot of flaws, a lot of pretty obvious ones, and a lot of misinformation surrounding these conspiracy theories. I love a good conspiracy as much as the next person, but I'm not sure there's anything here. Unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever side of the fence you like to sit on, I think this is total bullshit. There's so many obvious holes and flaws in the theory. Anyone with a basic level of intelligence should be able to see through pretty easily. A lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of facts have been omitted. And that's what I'm and that's what this podcast is about, trying to find the truth. I wouldn't have called it the truth tank if I didn't believe that. So I want to find the truth to the conspiracy, and I'm afraid there's not a lot of truth in this one. A lot of the technology mentioned is actually pretty interesting. It can have a lot of good in in a lot of people's lives. This is where the things are going. This is kind of the future. However, it's still in its infancy. None of these plans are implemented or none of the plans have been implemented yet. And not a lot of this technology is finished. And with that, that brings us to the end of the show. In part three of the great Bill Gates conspiracy, we're going to be having a look at Bill Gates and his interest in viruses. We're going to see if there's one last shred of truth to this conspiracy. And if there are any connections we can make back to what has currently happened with the COVID-19 lockdown and the, and the pandemic. 
We're also going to be having a look at the Gates Foundation vaccine programs around the world and some analysis of Bill Gates' TED Talks where he discusses viruses and pandemic planning. This will be followed by the final conclusions about Bill Gates and see if we can get any shred of truth that can revive this conspiracy. If you want to support the Truth Tank, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. The Truth Tank is also available on Google Podcasts and Amazon Alexa. Make sure you check them out and hit that subscribe button. If you know anyone who you think might like the Truth Tank, let them know about it. Whether it's friends, family, strangers on the bus, people in the street, spread the word. So once again, a big thank you to everyone who has been listening and downloading and subscribing. Your support means a lot. It helps the show grow and helps the Truth Tank go to the next level. And with that, that is the end of the show. I'll be back in about a month or so with part three of the Great Bill Gates Conspiracy Theory. Also coming down the pipe will be the final part of the Croatoan mystery, which I may have forgotten about. There's a whole lot more more interesting shows planned for the future. So keep listening, keep subscribing, and keep downloading. And on that note, I am the tank. This is the truth. May the truth be with you.